This is Daryl from Windsor, Ontario, and I never listened to the Order 66 podcast because the Emperor, may he live forever, has decreed these transmissions to be treasonous propaganda in support of the filthy rebels. I am C-3PO, Human Cyborg Relations. This is my counterpart, R-C-C. He claims to be the property of Obi-Wan Kenobi, a resident of these parts that never listens to the Order 66. Oh my, I've forgotten how much I hate podcasting. With the D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Broadcast live on D20 Radio's Justin TV channel. You're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and mapsofmastery.com. is up gamer nation gm chris here and uh, for those who may be tuning in for the very first time this is the order 66 podcast the original podcast entirely devoted to star wars role-playing and i am joined tonight by my erstwhile co-host mr gm phil what is up home slice not a whole heck of a lot we're getting started a little bit later than usual today I know. We had some strange sound artifacts coming in um, that we kind of had to deal with, and they continue to plague us. I don't... Eh, well, we still should be okay. I mean, it's not like we have... Uh, we're not reviewing any books. We don't have three people on. We should be good. I know. I know. It always gets hinky when we've got... What is that? Was what? I, I don't Hello, know. Hello. What have we here? Oh, no. Relax. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Okay, that's like a pirate interruption. What the hell? Hello, babies. <laughs> what is up, GM Dave, man? Hello, and welcome back. <laughs> welcome back, indeed. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> no, don't call it a comeback. Do not call it a comeback, Mighty Stretch of the Imagination. <laughs> Well, uh, Gamer Nation, after um, uh, many weeks of, of hiatus, um, uh, dude, GM Dave is back on the show. What is up, man? Dude, well, big, big freaking applause, man. You had a hell of a summer. I did, but you know what? My little girl is safely ensconced in college. My um, business travel is kind of set, you know, we've kind of level set now. So, hey, man, I'm back. I'm back, and I'm ready for a brand new edition. Now, those of you hoping for relevance out of this pie hole now that I'm back, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Phil's really good at forcing relevance out of the most mundane of pie holes, as I've seen. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're in good company there. So, yeah. So this is a landmark show, Gamer Nation. Um, for the first time in what, Dave? It's four and a half years? Four years? Something like that. Something like that. The Order 66 podcast is now, once again, a three-host show. Boom! Boom, shake a link. 
Um, you know, Phil was uh, incredibly gracious and kind enough to to come on and, and help out as a, as a co-host and guest host while Dave was on his hiatus. But for those of you who've been listening to the podcast for the last few weeks have probably determined is the exact same thing we determined that uh, this show wouldn't be what it is anymore without phil and so uh i'll be damned if if this show is not now gm phil gm dave and gm chris so uh that's happy that. to be here happy to join the cast so and you get top billing on top of that so yeah let's see <laughs> it's done well we do we do we gotta make the novices feel welcome dave you know of course gotta build me up before you take me down you know oh and there will be takedown oh yes <laughs> All right. Well, before the three of us try to muddle through this uh, craziness, do you guys want to maybe start off light with a little bit of announcement action? I like it. Done. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. Okay, I- I've got to say that um, uh, Ebac the Cat in chat probably maybe has an episode title already brewing for us. <laughs> That's a nice one. Witness the Esther Strikes Back. Yeah, what, oh, um, witness the full power of this three-host station. <laughs> <laughs> That's something, that's something, too. Man. All right. Well, Dave, dude, since you are back, would you do us the honors with our featured podcast? Of course. So our featured podcast this week, right? So you guys have noticed there's been a lot of really exciting news around the network, and we've, we've we missed one podcast, but we've picked up a couple. And one of them, of course, the addition of the Gathering of Dorks live playcast to D20 Radio and like proud papas that we are, we're happy to announce another new show to the D20 Radio family. <laughs> the Overproduced and Under Budget Podcast. Yes. I love that title. Dude. <laughs> it's a good show. There are uh, nine episodes in. It's a really stellar geek variety show. And they really hit the ground running, you know, with debate, discussion of the hottest topics in nerddom. And boom. Current events, comics. Video games, RPGs, you know, basically any kind of geekery you find, there it is in the show. It's funny, it's insightful, and you know what? Once you listen to an episode, you're going to be eager to listen to the next one, and then all of a sudden you'll be caught up, and you'll be waiting for the next one. So it's a great <laughs> show. You guys need to go listen to it as soon as possible. And we, on behalf of Jim, Chris, and Phil, of course, and the rest of our hosts are glad to welcome the overproduced and under-budget podcast to the network of course you can find it and lots of great other shows at www.d20radio.com it is a really fun show i mean i listened to a couple of them as i know you did dave to say okay are they is is this quality enough to be on the network they cut the mustard and i knew it within like seven minutes within seven minutes they cut the mustard and then it was like god i want to listen to the rest and then i blew (laughs) through all nine episodes because it's really good i mean they have this like round table style discussion and they tend to keep it fairly on point which is something that i envy (laughs) (laughs) um tremendous i resemble that i i know you do bro i know you do see that's one thing that's back on the order 66 podcast the right turn you know, we still have them. <laughs> but you see, I'm, I'm just freaking out because with you making right turns and Phil making left turns, it's going to get crazy. You, got, you guys know what the difference is between a right turn and a left turn? A right turn takes you completely off topic. A left turn takes you off topic in the same genre. 
<laughs> ah. So, you know, there it is. We're done. <laughs> we're, we're done. And there we go. There we go. All right. FFG news. What do we got, Phil? Uh, the Force and Destiny beta updates have begun. And as a matter <sighs> of fact, we're actually up to beta update two. Damn. Since our last show, FFG has released two beta updates for the Force and Destiny beta. And the Force and Destiny beta book is now available to everybody. So if you can't find it at your local, friendly local gaming shop, head on over to Fantasy Flight Games and you can order it directly from them online. But according to these updates, aside from the verbiage updates and and typos and errors and stuff like that, uh, some big highlights of mechanical changes. There have been updates to the Syrian, the Miralon, and the Zabrak species. Uh, the most notable one is that Zabraks are losing their traditional perception bonus in favor of an auto advantage to coercion and an auto threat to charm. That is so unusually. I don't you know. know. I oh. don't know if I agree with it, man. Yeah, uh, me neither. There have been some actually some really good suggestions on that, that maybe the old perception bonus should be tied to Iridonian Zabrak, while this auto-advantage to coercion and auto-threat to charm should apply to the Clone Wars-introduced Dathomirian Zabrak. Yeah, yeah. The ones who look like Maul and Savage Press. I know, and I'm wondering if any of this is coming out of the... Because you got to keep in mind, we now have we now have canon, and we have, we have legacy, or we have uh, legends, right? So... Uh-huh. Everything is legends at this point, except for what was introduced in the films. So, and, and the Clone Wars cartoons, and the Clone and, Wars cartoons, and those are the Zabriks that are now canon. So, I'm wondering if that that had something to do with this. Well, there were still two Jedi Masters who were Zabrik. Yeah, that's true. F. Koth and Egan Kolar. So, who knows? Who knows? It also could be that the devs are saying, "Okay, we're we're thinking of this bonus, but let's let's run it with the perception bonus at start. Now, let's run it with this coercion." bonus and charm uh deficiency see how that plays out that's true it is still just the second update of the beta exactly i mean I, there weren't too many updates for age of rebellion but there were what 11 updates for the original edge of edge of the empire there were there were um also what another thing that we got were some big wonderfully clear updates to the jedi holocron and the mentor boons to the pc party Hot on the heels of us talking uh, to Sam about those exact things on the podcast. Yes, I'm not, yes. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm just. Uh, uh. I like it what they came the up with. Time that they claim credit for our work. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, so talk to us about what they came up with because it's fascinating. Well, the Jedi Holocron, they gave it specifically that you can now either roll a ta- on a table or choose two skills that are considered career skills for the party, not just for sensitives. The party. Yeah. Um, as long as you guys have the holocron in your possession. There, there's some pretty odd pairings in there. They're not like complementary skills. They're usually, I don't want to say diametrically opposite, but they're generally drawn from different pools, for instance. Uh, the mentor boon is rather interesting. The mentor boon, as long as you've got this mentor in play somewhere, um, they give you a 5 XP discount when you purchase the basic power level of any force power. This is interesting. That's pretty cool. I I know I. What if your mentor gets stabbed in the stomach by um, Darth Maul? Well, that's the thing is that all of these are now, now all of these are now uh, things that can be taken away. Your ship can get blown up. Your holocron can get stolen. Your mentor can get killed. But if your mentor gets killed and they do the Obi Wan Kenobi route and become a Force ghost, can they still mentor you? Ooh. Yeah, I oh. yeah. 
yeah. Something I... else that should that could use a little clarification. Another thing is a point that Donovan Morningfire actually made, and that's is the mentor's boon provided after character creation, or can it be used during character creation and get you a, that discount to your purchasing? He seems to think that because it's one of the last the, – the, the talk is is that because this is one of the last steps in character creation, as a matter of fact, the final step in character creation, that you don't get it. Yeah, but elsewhere – and we had this discussion with Edge of the Empire came up. They talk about how it all happens at the same time, so stuff is retroactive. So if, I, if I've, I've, I've picked my species and that gave me a bonus to something, oh, but I picked my career, and so I, I mean that it, it – no, we've uh, – uh. True, true. I don't know. Just something that could use a little clarification, that's all. It could. But still, it's great to see this kind of updating coming out. Obviously, there's a lot going on um, mm-hmm. uh, with the book, so it's pimping. Um, the other huge FFG announcement coming out, uh, Lords of Nalhuda, baby. Boshuda! Oh. Boshuda. <laughs> and such a long-running joke, because oh, we got to beta this thing, mm-hmm. and I swear to God, it was like a year and a half ago. I know. <laughs> It's we're just like, is this gonna come out? Is this gonna come out? And the best thing is that one of the writers in the book is is Ryan Brooks. Um yeah. I mean, you know, fandom comicer, D twenty yep. radio alum and friend, you know. I mean, uh, you know, Keith Kappel's wife. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That's Mid- confusing. There's Max Brooks and then there's Ryan Brooks. Right, yeah. Well, and obviously Ryan's wife would probably stab me in the chest if she heard me say that, so I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it's okay. She never listens. She never listens. Um, but yeah, we're just like because he's worked. He's, he's there's a few projects he's worked on now as a freelancer, and it's like this was the first one they've announced, and we're just like yeah. But um, yeah, all I gotta say is, Boshuda. Um, Love it. Ho, 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 ho. I'm so excited about hey, this book. Better with that. Better with the echo. Ho, 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 ho. It's appropriate, with the, it's appropriate with the echo. It is solo John Wookie. Okay. Um, yeah, so the book has been announced. Lords of Nalhutta, a Hut source book, boys and girls. Um, lead, de- lead dev Max Brooks, who I would love to get on the show, and I'm pretty sure we can probably pull a few strings to make that happen, um, wrote a rather wicked article online uh, exposing many details on the forthcoming book. Um, Playable races, uh, Sakian. Do you okay, Phil? How do you pronounce it? I've always pronounced it Sakians. I call it Sakians. Sakians. Okay, uh, I go with that. Okay, so it's regional. It's regional. Yeah, yes, it's regional. Like 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 chowder or chata. Um, crate, <laughs> crate, crat. Uh, <laughs> um, so Sakians, Nictos, Huts, playable races. Yes, Huts are playable races. Um, more options for black marketeering, more modular encounters, which we've come to expect from these system source books now, um, seeing as this is the second one that's been announced. You forgot a race. What, do, what did I miss? The Ganks. Oh, the Ganks. That's right. There were four races in this. Yes. Breaking the norm. That's right. I forgot the Ganks. You know, I just like saying gank. Dave, are you going to make a gank? <laughs> I might. <laughs> I've well, never gank even heard of oh. the and it begins. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, go. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I got, I got nothing. Not yet. Most I'm people waiting. have never even heard of the ganks, though. I know. It's 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 very strange. Um. So anyway, uh, it's out there. Lords of Nalhada. It's announced. It's forthcoming, and we shall be very excited about it. And finally, long speculated uh, or long anticipated ever since it was spotted at Gen Con, uh, reports are that the adversary cards are now available. 
So head on out to your uh, friendly local gaming store, folks, and take a look for these things because they are worth it. They are completely worth it. God, yeah. You know Use them. For, I've used them for every session I've run ever since ever since I bought them. Mm. Mm. Changing track a little bit, hot on the heels of last episode when we talked about the antics that are going on with the Order of Sixty Six over in Star Wars: The Old Republic. I would be remiss if I did not also bring up the fact that over on Star Trek Online, yes, Star Trek Online, the 66th Fleet is still out there. It's still hammering away at the uh, Alpha, Beta, and now Delta Quadrants. Uh, The Star Trek Online Guild of D20 Radio, 66th Fleet, The Rogues. Uh, the, the new name comes from a merger between the old 66th Fleet and Wayne Basta's Task Group 74, the Rogues. We've created one large fleet now, and we're having a good time. There's almost always at least three or four people on. There have been times when we've seen a rather good crowd of folks online and uh, running around for some fleet operations and, and taking down the Borg and various other uh, opposition. For anyone who hasn't been over on Star Trek Online lately, there have been recent revamps to crafting, a complete turnaround and rebuild of that mechanic. Uh, There have been storylines that have been involving the Delta Quadrant, the Dyson Spheres, yes, that's plural, Dyson Spheres, Mm. and Species 8472, also known as the Undine. All ramping up to Star Trek Online's second big expansion, Delta Rising, due out October 14th. Anyone interested in heading on over to Star Trek Online and joining up with fellow D20 Radio players can contact us through the D20 Radio forums or email gmphil at d20radio.com or even my old uh, podcast handle, allstophosts at gmail.com. If you actually send it to allstophosts, that would actually also get you in contact with uh, my former co-host, Gonzo, Alex, and uh, he can help you get in the guild too. Are you still actively playing, Phil? Star Trek Online. I've I go back every couple months. Okay. Um, I just had actually I just had a big stretch from April until August. I was playing pretty regularly. I'm in a little bit of a. Uh, 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 I'm pulling back a little bit because I'm doing a lot more with the Order of Sixty Six on on uh, the Old Republic. I'm having some fun with there and getting together with a few folks there, uh, and I'm still pretty involved with a uh, Mech Warrior Online regiment that I'm involved in. Dude. And, uh, yeah, I've really only got time for I I don't even really have time for two games to for two games, but I know I do not have time for three. Did so. you ever did you ever play it, Dave? I never did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I in fact I think um I think my medical frigate, the USS Tamiflu, is still up there. Yep. Dude. Yeah, no, Dave was there. Dave was there. I uh, like my wife's been like now that my daughter's getting older and more sufficient, self sufficient. My wife's found herself with a couple hours in the evenings where she's kind of like wanting to do something, and she misses playing WoW back in the day, but she doesn't want to start playing WoW again because she got so done with WoW. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like, you're such a Star Trek junkie. Why don't you try? You know, because it, is it free to play yet? It is free to play. Yeah, I was like, why it not? It is free to play. Why not? Why not? Uh, okay, so. Um, Social media plug, guys. Stay in the know by following D20 Radio on the Facebooks for news and podcast info on a daily basis. You can also follow us at Twitter, um, at D20 Radio, or individually, uh, at GM Chris, at GM Phil, or at GM Dave. We will post and tweet show info and announcements regularly. Um, in fact, there are many people following those announcements. They got informed of the live simulcast of the show and are watching in Echo Base right now. Live Hello, Echo Base. With us. Hello. Hello. 
Um, so it's there. Well, folks, uh, so I, I was kind of excited. And when, you know, Dave, when we talked about you coming back, we talked about getting back to form with like a traditional style episode, you know, because we've had so many guest episodes lately and special episodes and post-Gen Con episodes and book review episodes. and Special. <laughs> They're special. <laughs> um, so speaking of special, uh, we thought it quite apropos to return to, well, isn't that special? Um, our... Uh, semi-regular segment <laughs> for the meat of the show where we talk about uh specializations so there it is and uh you guys you guys want to get to it let's So this one has been on the docket for a long time. There have, I don't even want to recount it. We've had at least 10 people request this. Something like that, yeah. Roughly. Um, so, well, isn't that special? Uh, as we talked about last time we did this, we have gone through a bit of a revamp. Um, when the Order 66 podcast first started going through specializations, we followed a very traditional format that we'd done, honestly, in the past system, where we go through all the talents and every single thing like that. But... Uh, the system functions a bit differently, and quite frankly, you guys can read, can't they? Can they I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I have to, I'm guessing they can, based on the feedback that we get all the time. I'm, I'm assuming mm. they can read. Um, well, yeah. I don't know. It is a podcast, so you know what I mean. So they they may not have to read. I don't know. Ah, uh, but uh, those ten people couldn't have asked their uh, requested us to do this without sending us those PMs. That's very true. It's very true. So so that 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 there is that. Okay, but um, so. What we do now with, well, isn't that special, um, is we will actually talk about the overall specialization, the themes behind it, what to go for, and really focus on some, you know, not digging into the nitty-gritty of every single talent, because a lot of those don't need explanation, um, but talking about the really unusual ones, and then going into some builds uh, that are kind of generalized that we recommend for you all. Um, And then we are going to face off with a face-off, where now it's going to be, what, a three-way, a three-way Thunderdome (laughs) deathmatch. Thunderdome Deathmatch, where we will present our own uh, um, cross uh, cross specialized, or in some cases not uh, builds uh, for this particular specialization, and kind of pit them against each other over the airwaves, and uh, have you guys get to the forums and vote on who the winner is. So, with that, tonight we are going to cover a long overdue specialization that was first presented in the Edge of the Empire Rule book. Um, on page 85, and this would be the smuggler's thief. Um, this was a this was a hard one to work on. It was, it was, because Jesus, most of these most of these specializations that we've done, or in that we'll find in the book, they've done a real good job. FFG has done a real good job of splitting it into two different fields, um, usually by the first two columns and then the third and fourth column. Right. Or if you build down those columns, you'll you'll build a a certain archetype. Uh, for example, the last the last one we talked about uh, was the, the the scholar. The scholar had the the researcher and the uh, the librarian, and then there was the field analyst. Two different types of character. Uh, with the thief, it doesn't quite build that way, but there are two specific. There are two specific uh, builds to this. You do still get two archetypes. It's just to get there is a little... 
we'll, a little more interesting. Yes, and and we'll we'll get there. But before, so I mean, let, let's 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 build up to that by first getting kind of an overview of the thief itself, guys. So so turn your Edge of the Empire core rule books to page eighty five. I know I am. I'm just I'm I'm literally pulling my book out right now. Um, and let's bring people up to speed. I mean, Dave, Phil, who is the thief? I mean, I want to have a discussion about this. What what are the primary things that the focuses on? What is expected of him? What are his roles that he fills? What does he do better than anyone else? What does he do worse than anyone else? All good uh, questions. Feels. And he doesn't fight. <laughs> well, not directly, but uh, <laughs> okay. So first and foremost, I mean, what what is the primary thing that thief the thief focuses on? Acquisition. Oh. <laughs> Acquisition. <laughs> Acquisition. Oh my. Someone has something he wants, so he takes it. Um so uh, you know, it it's 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 stealing, thievery is what I'm is what I'm hearing basically. Exactly, exactly. I don't think it gets more complicated than that. No, and it doesn't have to. <laughs> it can, now how he goes about it. That's that's where things get a little different. That's where things get that's where things get real real thematic and and takes on each individual flavor. Okay, then the question I'm going to pose to you two fine brains oh, is: boy. What does the party expect of this person? I mean, great, I'm a thief. That's fantastic. How does this archetype fit into the party? As a, as, as a whole, how does the party use him? What kind of suggestions does he make? And what, what are, what, what's expected of him? I think that's going to vary based on exactly what Phil just said, right? Because there's, there's multiple ways to play a thief. There's multiple ways that your party is going to want a thief to be played. At, at, some, at some point, they're going to want the, the, the thief to be stealthy. Other times, they're going to want him to be brazen. So I think it I think it really depends on the party itself as to what they expect out of the thief but I think for the most part they're expecting someone to be able to get into an area undetected like a rogue for example if you want to use a D&D term and be able to talk their way past or into certain things almost like a face character would to be able to deceive others yeah, uh, looking at the looking at the thief, I think your average party will look to this specialization to fill in some uh, like any good support character, fill in some gaps that the P, the other group may not have. Because uh, if you just look at what the thief offers you, it it gives you some social uh, some social power with deception. Uh, it gives you a lot of technical work with uh, computers and skullduggery. Because it's part of the smuggler career, you've got piloting space, so you've got the ship pilot if you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and of course, with knowledge underworld and and streetwise, you've got you know information and and inroads into the the darker side of the uh, of the law in the galaxy. Mm. And you've got a way to be able to, with taking the right talents, come by certain items that are more difficult than others to come by. So yeah, he's a problem solver. This is this is interesting, and I, I you got you guys are, are bringing this up a bit. It's it's more deep than a thief. I mean, this is a, it's, it's you're bringing this spec up to where it needs to be. It's it's a it's a, God. I mean, is Han Solo just a smuggler? You know what I mean? Is that right. all he is? Is he a right. pi- is he a pilot? Okay, no, he's a damn good pilot, sure. But uh, there, there there's more to it. There's certain expectations that the party should have for this character. Exactly. 
So when we talk about what he does better than anyone else, you guys hit the nail on the head. Um, and, you know, talking about, you know, as Dave said, you know, you're, you're serving as a pseudo face man in a sense. You're deceiving. You're, you know, you're getting information. You've got, with talent selection, you're able to acquire items. You know, Phil, as you put it, you're acquiring. You know, you're, you're, you're doing the hard work of getting in there, computer skullduggery, mm-hmm. um, and doing that. That's kind of what you do. But as far as what you do worse than anyone else, as you guys said towards the start here, not a lot of focus on combat. No. No, nah, you got range light, maybe. No, yeah. well, you've got whatever you're willing to buy otherwise. Yeah. I mean, if you're a human, you can start with a rank in range light or ranged heavy. Um, you might be able to pick it up a couple other ways or just by blowing the XP. But you even look at the talents in the tree, there really is not much here for combat survivability outside of dodge and a couple points of grit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, jump up, it's handy. Ooh, jump up. Okay. <laughs> but but that's like the most expensive jump up rank I've ever seen. I'm like, wow, 20 points. Ugh, God. And you have to get it if you want dedication. Oh, I'm just... Um, okay, so that kind of sets the stage. Now, you guys are hinting at something that I think is a very clear truth with this build, uh, this, this, this specialization, and, and th- that's the fact that it really shines when you start cross-specking, okay? Mm-hmm. Because of the synergies you can get. And I know we're going to get to that. But before we do that, I'd like you guys to focus in the tree itself. I mean, if somebody wants to build a pure thief, um, you know, Phil, you talked about how, unlike other specs, this thief kind of blurs the lines between these two cl- clear-cut builds that we've talked about before. Yep. Um, all the rows of the tree have talents that either two of the builds can use, utilize. Um, and the two builds almost have like this sort of X-shaped path. <laughs> they do. They do which really, really kind of even clues in anyone taking this spec that you really should cross over into the other into the other specialization because – not the other specialization, the other archetype because there are skills here that both of these two archetypes that this tree provides can utilize and can be improved with. Mm. The first option is the street rat. Now here we're talking about a character who is a pickpocket or a street thief who steals to survive. Uh, a great example is going to be coming out in just a couple weeks with Ezra Bridger, the juvenile uh, delinquent who is part of the new Star Wars Rebels uh, Star Wars Rebels TV show. I'm so excited for that damn show. Another character that fits into this, Aladdin. Huh? Does he sing? No, it doesn't have to. You know, see now. Now I wish during our face-off that I'd like done a uh, a a thief slash uh, entertainer. Entertainer. And I could have. <laughs> see, I could. I could have. I could have made. And I could have. Could have made him Aladdin. Just saying. New world. Yeah, he could. He could do it all in bocce. You know. Exactly. Or hutties. You know. You know. Yeah, or not. So uh, uh, mechanically, the street rat is going to be more focused in perception to find their marks, deception to to con them out of their wares or or to distract them to be able to steal their wares, skullduggery for pickpocketing, streetwise to know where to sell what they steal, Mm. and stealth to sneak up and sneak away and blend in with the crowd and disappear. Uh, talents that are really going to help, and for, for this you're going to be starting in the upper left corner. Street smarts, stalker, shortcut for when you do get discovered and you need to make an escape. Dodge to 
dodge any incoming fire that such uh, uh, such uh, victims who are armed may be firing in your way. Indistinguishable to blend into the crowd, and rapid reaction to get the drop on initiative when you have to. Mm. So you're basically, you know, you're 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 a traditional thief. You steal things well. Um, you act first. You react quickly. Yes, your your whole the the whole point of this build is if discovered, get away. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. So there's our option one. So Dave, there is a second option that is really in that X path. Yeah, and this is this is kind of the one that I was talking about was uh, when your group is expecting you to get in and be stealthy. This is like the second story, man. Gotcha. Right, you're getting in cat burglar style expert on breaking and entering think parker from leverage absolutely that's a great <laughs> show do you watch that i love leverage that's a it's a it's, it's a great show but that's such a common trope there's i mean the second story man is there's it it, it lots of examples out there oh yeah oh yeah you know i mean i i prefer Catherine zeta jones you know but anyway that's oh yep yep there, I, I, entrapment great film for great film for these type of thieves Okay, yeah. one one of the builds that I I thought about doing for our face off, but I didn't. Um, I was joking earlier about Entertainer. One of them I really thought about doing was Thief, and then with a combination of uh, Squad Commander. Moving into that to basically make the Sean Connery character <laughs> from Entrapment, right? So okay, uh, yeah, yeah. But I was like, eh, let's not. Okay. Okay, so Dave, how do we, I mean, what, so, what, what do we look at to build this second so when story? when you man? think about cat burglars, right, what are you thinking about, aside from the, the perception and uh, skullduggery that you'll need? This one is going to be a little bit more, you know, you may need to bypass security, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe computers. You definitely need stealth to get in and coordination to bypass multiple traps, lasers, whatever the case is, <laughs> right, that they put in. You know, again, kind of thinking old school. So coordination, perception, skullduggery, computer stealth. I'm thinking of the coordination uh-huh. of Catherine Zeta-Jones going through those, like, wire, like, you know, the string set up with the bells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buddy. All right, now you've lost me functionally for about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you need me to pick up or you got this? Yeah, no, okay, I got it. Yeah, so I already okay. said bypass security, actually. I said it in, in the scope of, of computers. However, bypass security is actually the name of a talent. That is on the top right corner of the thief talent tree. And so that's where you'll start. And you'll go to hidden storage, of course, because you need to be able to store what you steal. And that leads you to potentially rapid reaction. Jump up again. Um, natural rogue, master of shadows, and then black market contacts, which you know are in, are, is handy and it's back up on the top row again. So... Yeah, you need to be able to, as a second story man, get in, get out, unseen, and potentially escape if you have to. But also, instead of defeating uh, people and their awareness, you're defeating computer systems. And, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very much. A, it's very yeah. much. You know, a, a, you're trying to deactivate security protocols and get by what you can get by. It's it's very much a game of bypassing. There, there's a difference between a cat burglar and a pickpocket, and and Phil's street rat, that is a pickpocket when you get down to it. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, that's what you do. Like, Dave's your second story, man, is your traditional, you know. I am a, 
I'm a white collar criminal. I'm a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there or, you go. Or black cat or black cat suit. One of the two. Um, but um, but oh it's, yeah, it's like here we go again. But you know, here's the funny thing, right? Is that just about everyone in either option one or option two is going to become a hybrid anyway. Basically, yeah. That's very true. I mean, every thief is going to become a hybrid. There, I mean, because I mean, both builds have these talents from either path. It it. It, it's nice to be a generalist, but if you are going to stick to one option or the other, it's clear that one is I have to overcome people. The other is I have to overcome systems and buildings. Um, and, you know, they can both handle it, but one does it a little better than the other. Now, I have an audible question for you guys. This is actually coming from the chat from Ooh. Grand Solo. And he says, hidden storage. He wants to know, um, as a thief... How would you use it? How would you narrate it? And hidden storage is an interesting talent. Um, uh, you gain hidden storage in vehicles or equipment that holds items with a total encumbrance equal to your ranks in hidden storage. So if I got one rank in hidden storage, I can hide or have hidden storage in a vehicle or a piece of equipment that's equal to one in, in terms of its encumbrance value. How do you narrate that in? How do you see it being used? Well, when it comes to when it comes to equipment, when you're using it in the sense of a thief, I would use hidden storage as a hidden compartment in gear that you are constantly carrying. It is so that you can sneak into an area with something undetected. So if, if you're uh, if you have some sort of uh, uh, equipment case or, or some sort of scanner or data pad or something like that, you have this hidden storage that allows you to bring in the tools that would automatically trip security. Like um, uh, uh, I know there's some kind of uh, lockbreaker uh, lock kit. Exactly, the lockbreaker kit. You come into any building and they find the lockbreaker kit, they're sending you right back out if they're not taking you to some obscure room in some basement and interrogating you for the next three days. But if you've got something like a purse or a backpack or, or just a, a carrying case, uh, 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 let's say you, you're trying to imp- you're impersonating some noble and you've got this giant, uh, you have this giant sword scabbard on your side. Well, maybe the sword blade is only like eight, to eight, eight inches long in this like two foot case, and meanwhile the rest of that ca- the rest of that scabbard is holding all of your uh, breaking and entering gear. I basically think of it as false bottom. Exactly, you're carrying, you know. Yeah, I'm intrigued by the idea of using it on a ship, um, but that's I think I think that's the most most. Like, that's the easiest one. I mean, that's what everybody th- everybody will think immediately of of the Millennium Falcon and the smuggling compartment that he has on the exactly. that he had built into the into the ship. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. So okay. So I hope that answers Grand Solo's question. But no, excellent, excellent responses, guys. So within the tree itself, I mean, following this sort of X shaped path, you've got your street rat build, you've got your second story man build, but again. It, you're going to want to generalize. You're going to go hybrid and move across and back and forth. I mean, for the most part, the skills really play off each other well. I mean, both builds are going to be, obviously, stealth is huge. Skullduggery is huge. Perception, huge. It's that coordination slash computers versus streetwise and deception that really comes into play. Right. Um, I want to talk about mixing this up. So... When I'm cross-specking, it behooves me from a purely XP standpoint to want to stay in the same career, okay? Just because it is, you know, hey, it's 10 XP cheaper. What? Um, Of course. So staying in the smuggler career, how do you guys see combinations of the thief with scoundrel or pilot, respectively? Well, with scoundrel, you, you become a fixer. 
a rogue who can get you anything you want for a price. And I say this because you you can end up between those two specs with five ranks of black market contacts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's, refresh my memory, black market contacts reduces the rarity by one per yes. rank. increases the, the cost by 50% per reduction. Ooh, so it's very expensive, but you can find it easier. Exactly. It's like, I can get it, but it'll cost you. Interesting. So this fixer's going to be able to get you anything, practically. If you've got the cash. And they'll be able to smuggle it to you with ease, as they've got two ranks of hidden storage and natural charmer, so that if they, they can, you know, even before someone goes and starts finding things in hidden storage, this, this fixer person can charm their way on by most any situation, but past most any uh, security checkpoint. Okay. Okay. Um, what about pilot? So think about a sh- I was going to say carjack, but think about a shipjacker. <laughs> Is that even a yep. word? <laughs> yeah, it's a word. Uh, it's it, it, if you have you listened to uh, the Timothy Zahn novels or have you read the Timothy Zahn novel Scoundrels? Uh, that's okay. 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 Yeah. 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 All right. So yeah, I mean, you could basically boost any of the best rides in the galaxy, right? And and then should be able to shake any pursuit that anybody's coming after you, right? So, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about the pilot build later. But I mean, this basically <laughs> ability to lose the pursuit and hotwire a really badass ride. Someone just pointed out in the chat that it's called a pirate. No, it's not a pirate. No. A pirate is someone who raids enemy ships. This is a dude who steals the ships in the first place. The, the, okay, there was a graphic. On its 60 seconds is what this is. Yeah. That's what, you know, you're boosting cars. Yep. You know, you're, you're Nick Cage. There was a um, there was a uh, a graphic novel I read a while back. It was, it was one of the Star Wars tales, and it was an early story of Han Solo and Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. And they were harrying her- this imperial uh, commander who had stopped them repeatedly and like knew they were smugglers. Have you guys read this? I don't know. I okay. don't remember it. it it's, he stopped them repeatedly and he knew they were smugglers and they were smuggling something they had to be. And so he would stop them, at, you know, in mid-flight and he would be like, we need to search your ship. And they're like, come on board. And they, they'd search and they'd search and they'd search and like... Like, like they had they had them pulled over one time for days. Like every nook and cranny, they were taking the ship apart, and they couldn't find anything. And this guy was just utterly, this Imperial was just utterly frustrated. And it's it's Han and Chewie going they, like they, they stop them like six times, and they're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and they just can't find anything. These guys are smuggling none. There's nothing. They're smuggling, and he's freaking out. And finally, um, after he lets him off for the last time, he goes back to his like office and he's writing up his report and he knows he's going to face like demotion because he can't figure this out. And it just hits him in the face and he sits straight up and he goes, my God, they're smuggling ships. <laughs> <laughs> because every time he pulled him over, it was in a different ship. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, it, it just it's exactly, what, exactly what I think of. Nice. And that's a ship jacker. There you go. Okay, right, we're gonna call it the Memphis Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> the Memphis. Uh, thank you, thank you. Nick Cage. <laughs> Nicholas Cage blows himself to bits. Um, 
<laughs> in his new movie, Nicolas Cage blows himself to bits. Uh, <laughs> All right, so that's within the career. Okay, let's talk about outside the career. Um, I, I don't think. I mean, the, the, so we talk about how this 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 speckled special edition only really shines when you can really add some additional specs outside of it. Let's leave the career, but I want to stay in Edge of the Empire for the moment because obviously that book was written for these specs to have serious synergy with each other. Right. Um, I want us to go through some of the ones that really hit us um, that are that are kind of worthwhile. There's probably oh a good half dozen or so. Um, you know, they're not thieves per se, but they have real talents that are really going to benefit an overall thief build. Um, Bounty Hunter is the one that came to my mind first, um, mostly for three big talents: uh, survivalist, gadgeteer, and assassin. Um, uh, excuse me, three good specs: sur- uh, survivalist, gadgeteer, and assassin. So, Bounty Hunter, those three specs. Their talents in terms of the synergy they're going to provide are huge. From a survivalist aspect, this builds right into your street rat idea, Phil. Right. Um, it's just that you're dealing with, you know, it's an urban jungle, not so much a a, a actual jungle. <laughs> Correct. Um, but, I mean, that, that's exactly where it applies. And a creative GM, if you want to go down this route, should be allowing you to use things like survival checks in a city area or a, a heavily civilized or industrial area as long as you clear it with them beforehand and let him know what you're going for he shouldn't go yeah, for that you ever seen the lower levels of coruscant yeah <laughs> god i wish 1313 didn't get canned uh, i know uh um so survivalist one spec that really goes well um uh gadgeteer um handy um crippling blow is pretty handy if you get discovered and you do have access to mechanics um, from a skill perspective, but not a whole lot outside of that. Um, Assassin obviously has a lot of synergies there. You've got access from a defensive standpoint to a lot more dodge and stalker ranks very quickly. So if you are going that sort of infiltration style route, that act first, act fast, um, and don't get caught or get away, it's really going to come in handy. Um, I'm a huge fan of stalker, but we'll talk about that in my build. So, oh boy. so there's the bounty hunter career. See, now I was thinking about... The thief, Jedi Sentinel. Oh man, we didn't we didn't we didn't even cover F and D in this conversation, yo. Okay, all right, I, I guess all right. Well, oh man, yeah. you just blew my freaking mind. Um, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. Okay, so the thief with, um, let's say, let's say a crooked politico. Ooh. Okay, so you're going colonist. All right. Yeah. So what can you do with a colonist? Right, a doctor, a politico, a scholar. Uh, they are good for certain things. I, I you know, the doctor, mm. it's, it's, it's okay to have, to be able to, you know, to be a thief and then be able to like heal people, stim application, that sort of thing. Well, stim application, that's the one that boosts your, uh, uh, your abilities. Yeah. That's it, the one that boosts char- uh, characteristics. So that's it, always it, handy to boost up. It is handy as a support character to have that. Right. And well, you could boost yourself too. Yeah, sure. So you know, I think that of of the three, I think that's the most, the most one, the, the one that I like the most. I think next for me would be Scholar because it's it's okay to kind of boost that criminal mastermind, so to speak. You know, it, and you'll see more of a criminal mastermind build when I get to go. But um, and then there's Politico, right? So hmm. plausible deniability can be handy. But I, I, you know, I, I struggle a little bit about what that is going to be, you know? 
And, but, yeah, uh, and, I think of all of those, Politico is the hardest to really find any synergy with. I think if a thief is crossing over into Politico, it's mostly because they're trying to fill more holes that the party has and no one else is willing to fill them. Jerks. Yeah, yeah, I know. And one thing I didn't did, – is anything in Far Horizons? Because I haven't really gone through that. Well, there, are there any other specializations? Oh, yeah. I mean there's three. Um, I mean you've Entertainer, got uh, – Entertainer, Entrepreneur, and Marshall. Marshall. Entrepreneur is handy. I kind of looked into it, but Entrepreneur is all about legal money acquisition. It's like if you're – That's an, not this. That's not this. If you're an, <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, you, like you take talents to just give you money. You know what I mean? You don't have to steal stuff. Right. Um, so it, it really it really didn't seem to fit too much. I mean, Marshall, I mean, as much as any of the other combative ones do. Um, and I th- I kind of blew off Entertainer, but after our Aladdin discussion, I'm kind of really rethinking it now. <laughs> you Get know you what? Dodge. <laughs> I, I looked at the chat room. A thief, scholar. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we've already done that build. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Explorer. Uh so okay, speaking of explorer, well, explorer is a good is uh, is another okay. Where colonist was sort of the outer rim territories career that doesn't fit well with uh, with the thief. The explorer is the one that does. Uh, in there, you get fringer, which is a good solid second spec for street rats, much like survivalist was. You get more street smarts. You get toughened. You get grit. You get more dodge. Just more of what you need to be hardy and live on the streets and survive the streets. Mm. With Scout, Scout, if if you're discovered, you get all kinds of more additional tricks to help you get away. More ranks of Shortcut and Stalker. And it also gives you access to Disorient if you are discovered. You can quickly stun someone and, and lower their ability, you know, give them a, a setback die and have that in play while you're trying to use Shortcut and Stalker to get away. And Trader, Trader is great for selling what you've stolen for maximum profits. Mm. You get even more black market contacts. You get smooth talker. You get know somebody, wheel and deal. It's great for you being able to fence your own stuff. That's a really fun combo. Um, that's that's extremely fun. Um, okay, hired gun. Um, hired gun. You've got you've got Marauder. You got the bodyguard. You got the Merc commander. Um, and then of course we have uh, dangerous covenants uh, specs as well. But talking about the ones in the core books, you know Marauder. I really thought about going Marauder Thief with my build, which we'll get to, but it's just it's just, just pure combat. You know what I mean? That's all it is. Yeah. There's just yeah. not a whole lot of synergy. Um, I mean, they pair well, but it's just not a whole lot of synergy. So it's there, but, you know, if, if you want to be melee, cool. Um, bodyguard, I found to be next to useless. Um, very little synergy. I mean, this is the polar opposite of a thief i'm going to be in your face and you're going to know i'm there because i'm protecting someone else not sneaking around the shadows right um merc commander uh you know the mercenary commander was another mediocre pairing i thought not a whole lot there all in all i I thought the hired gun was not a terribly useful career to uh, apply anything to with thief with thief the same went for the specs in dangerous covenants the only one that really stood out to me was demolitionist um because basically you can become a saboteur without being a saboteur. <laughs> right. Um, you know, by, you know, thievery. Um, also, expert safecracker is there, and that is handy, but that's really the only thing that stuck out for me for Hired Gun. All in all, I think there are much, much, much better uh, options out there that we've already talked about and, and will talk about. So, 
Ah, yes. Well, um, from a technician standpoint, right, there's mechanic, outlaw tech, slicer. Mm-hmm. Um, slicer, of course, is is really good for improving your your repertoire as a as a second story man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're going if you're going down that two, and uh, the the number two path. So I mean, I I I like the slicer option there. Yeah, you can end up with like five ranks of bypass security. Not that you'd ever come up with a situation where there's five <laughs> setback dice. But yeah, I mean that's the same. And I mean, outlaw tech is is almost giving you the same thing, except that's giving you the ability to trick out your tech right for for better performance. Sure. And to 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 keep up with the surprises that may come out, right? So, slicer's great. I think very good. Outlaw tech is good. Mechanic, meh. Yeah. You but know, the only I mean, thing I could see from mechanic is the contraption talent, allowing you to solve one problem per session. That can be handy. Yeah, it's expensive just to be it able is. to. It is. You know? And I mean, yeah, you can. It's got a lot of options for infiltration. You know, again, for this is all about that number two spec, right? So right. It, it's still it's it's good for improving your skill set. But I, you know, uh, I'm I'm not 100 percent sold on anything there except really slicer. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, these were all the ones for Age of, for uh, Edge of the Empire. Yes. Now, we could go into all the Age of Rebellion careers, but that would take a while. And really, there's only a couple that really stand out. Um, notable Age of Rebellion combos, Ace Driver. It also <laughs> pulls off that car thief feel, but with more of a transporter type of, uh, type of, uh, type of uh, archetype you've got going there. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> book coming out too <laughs> yeah yeah screw not, screw uh screw memphis reigns give me jason statham <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite talent synergy but there are some solid talent pairings uh mm. thief abilities let you break in and steal the car and the driver talent lets you get away with it uh, get away with the speeder front with from pursuers without getting caught yeah oh yeah um, you know and there's another one in there too by the way that um, Chris, whenever I get oh, so, uh, this is going to ruin. Uh, this might ruin your storyline for the for our party because I'm going to join the group. But oh, they know. You know, I, I was going to do a quartermaster. Yeah. So I mean, there's some real good synergies in there with with thief, in in terms of like wheel and deal, master merchant, things like that. Because I was trying to go for a little Watto feel, right, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Smooth talker, you know, and and uh, you know how that can really kind of buff your deception and I, I you know i i don't know I, I i see i see a good little synergy going with that if you want to go that direction and spend the xp potentially but like so so quartermaster there's a lot there if you're doing diplomat quartermaster ace driver i want to say this back to when you were going through ace driver phil it, it it's almost the same shtick as going with the pilot though that's sure. the thing and if, you, if you're going to go with the pilot, it's a hell of a lot cheaper to do that than to cross not only not only cross book, but cross career spec into yeah. a driver. Um, right. I wanted to talk about the uh, uh, well, actually, I want to talk about infiltrator because when do you guys talk about sharpshooter? Because that was the other one we identified was soldier. Solid. I'll do that one. Uh, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. soldier sharpshooter. It seems to quit. It seems to fit quite well with the silent thief type making a more versatile and stealth focused character, uh, a thief and an assassin. It's got, it's got some good, good cross play in there. And, and if you're doing a kind of a spec force character, maybe you're a thief who decided to join the rebellion, right. look into sharpshooter. I, I think you'll be pleased with what you find there. 
Now, Spy Infiltrator I wanted to talk about because it fits into my build, as we'll come to in a minute. But Spy Infiltrator, it, 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 it's soldier sharpshooter, just melee instead of range when you get down to it. As sure. far as far as how the two play together. like So for an Infiltrator and a Thief, there's a lot of mechanical and thematic synergy here. But you have this melee combat focus. And I really will be talking about that in greater detail later. But, right. You know, there's uh, speaking of melee combat. Mm-hmm. There's that universal specialization of recruit. Dude, no now, way. Everyone forgets this freaking thing is there. So yeah. did I. So page 101, in case you're wondering, uh, of the Age of Rebellion core rulebook. Great synergy here, right? It's a universal talent tree, so you won't suffer the cross-career XP penalty to buy into it. Right. It's got basic and technical combat training that, that give your, your thief career skill access to brawl, melee, range, light, range, heavy. Hello. Those those things are five XP a piece. Yeah, and quick draw. Hey, you know, I I know I know quick draw is sitting in the thief, right? Or no, not quick draw. It's not. It's not sitting in the thief. And you don't have to draw and ready a weapon with quick draw. It's quick it's quick strike that I was thinking of in the smuggler, sorry. But yeah, yeah, quick draw is really cool. And you know, I mean anyway, think about that if uh, if you guys wanna uh, take a jaunt down the AOR core. We didn't, That's a solid spec. It, we did not. It is. People forget this spec is there because it wasn't in the beta. Yeah, it was, that's right. It was added. It got it, added it later added. on. I want there to be a universal spec like this in the F&D core when it comes out, man, because I loved this. I was, it was like, and when he, I remember when it was explained to us, when Andy came on to talk to us about it, when Fish came on, he was like, we wanted to give everybody a way to get rebellion-y, soldier-y talents and skills without having to completely break their budget. And that's the, so that's the thing. If you need to go combative, you're right, Dave. If you need to go combative, this is a phenomenal route to go that's extremely inexpensive. <clears throat> so, okay, guys, we've gone through all of these potential synergies with various specs out there. Um, all the ones that made sense to us, all the ones in the, in the, in the edge core book, and then others in age that made sense to us. Um, I want to get into putting this into practice, and now we're going to come to the the sort of the end of our discussion here, where probably the midway point actually, <laughs> where we get into our build off, our GM recommendations. We have we have uh, thrown our chops together, and people ask after the last time we did this, well, what's the constraints? What are you guys doing? There are no constraints. We make a cool character. We tell you how much XP it took us to get there, and when you come up with your rating of how badass the character is or who you'd like to uh, play, that total investment should play a part of it but uh i don't know i want to talk about the theme and and who it is and how you built it phil you are up first man what is your wicked badass build okay the theme of my build is fly it like you stole it because you did (laughs) alternately the title is gone in 60 parsecs love it (laughs) the character's name is kg rand he is a Corellian thief pilot Now, this plotline is going to sound very familiar to some of you. He starts off with a 10-point obligation for family. He has a kid brother who owes Black Sun (laughs) several starships he said he would steal and comes to KG for help. (laughs) You start as a smuggler thief, and you go for the sort of uh, second-story man breaking and entering uh, spec line. You start with uh, ranks in computers, deception, and perception, piloting space, skullduggery, stealth, and streetwise. Now, the reason why I started this guy as a Corellian pilot is because I wanted him to be able to have two ranks of pilot but still be a thief at game start. 
Ever since my last build, I realized that I wanted to make something that could that could, could fulfill its theme pretty much right out of the box. So that gets me two ranks of space, uh, at least a rank and a bunch of other skills, and I'm going to need to be able to start stealing starships. Talents. Bypass security and black market contacts are my first ones. Then we move on to hidden storage and shortcut. When I get the ship, likely I'm going to be pursued. So shortcut is going to help me get away. At this point, I buy over to the pilot spe- uh, specialization and pick up two ranks, of skill, uh, two ranks of skill jockey and full throttle. I'm also buying up deception to help me get access to some starports where I may not have been able to get to before. Pilot, more ranks in piloting space. Take gunnery because occasionally I will probably have to shoot my way out of an imperial blockade. No- and knowledge underworld. Let's go back to thief where I'm picking up rapid reaction, grit, stalker, my second rank of bypass security. Hmm. Finally, back over to pilot, where I'm picking up improved full throttle. Hmm. This is all for 200 XP. So in probably, let's see, your average session gives you 20 20 XP. Let's say your average game session gets you 20 XP. A four-hour session? What sessions are you playing? I'm just saying. (laughs) Just saying. Exactly. Four-hour sessions figure about 20 XP per session. Within 10 sessions, this is my build. I can got a character that can con his way into most starports, access ships, and start them up, and blast off. Any pursuers we get are going to have to overcome his fast, exceptional flying skill as he weaves through crowded space lanes without difficulty at breakneck speeds while squeezing maximum performance out of his stolen engine starships. Or stolen starships engines. <laughs> Very cool. Gone in, like si- gone in 60 parsecs. I like it, too. That's good. I like it, too. All right, Dave. Wow me. Uh, okay, so, yeah. You guys, when, when we first started batting around the idea of me coming back onto the show for this episode, and it was, um, we decided, okay, we're going to do a build-off. But how do we do it with three? Well, we're just going to do three builds. Okay, great. Wonderful. So we, we settled on the thief. And my mind was looking at, you know, all these different cat burglar, you know, trying to get the stealthiest thief out there. And then all of a sudden it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, there's a way to work in the backstory of the show. For those of you listeners who know the the crazy little antics that Chris and I would do, there's a quote out there that I tend to utter every once in a while. And it goes something like this. She's Do you remember that? Sheathed Finsta. Sheathed Finsta, that's right. And to that, Chris would usually follow up immediately with... Shoot the glass. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, here's, here's the theme, basically, uh, in a nutshell. When you steal 600 million, they will find you unless they think you're already dead. That's it. <laughs> They'll find you unless they think you're dead. <laughs> so this is not Hans Gruber. This is Sean Ruber. <laughs> And he's a human. Uh, this build focuses more on kind of the mastermind behind the scenes. It manipulates and kind of takes the score and then gets away in a flash and bang of a diversion. Nice. Yes. So uh, this will be plus 10 for a criminal obligation that he was part of the Vaclin insurgents but was expelled due to his overaggressive nature of getting results. And if you guys remember, that was actually kind of the backstory. <laughs> For Hans, he got expelled from his Volksfrei movement, right? Uh, you start as a um, 
start as a smuggler and thief. And I'm sorry, scoundrel. What am I? Uh, I'm going the other way. You're oh, going to okay, start okay, here at okay. the scoundrel. Okay. And you're going to take ranks deception times two, perception, skullduggery, streetwise, and cool. Okay. And the reason I started with scoundrel is that scoundrel, you can get the extra deception. Right. Sure. Yeah. So um, from a talent standpoint, in inside that talent tree for scoundrel, it's going to be convincing demeanor, black market context, both times two, and toughened. You're going to need a little extra strain every once in a while, right? Sure. So then, then buy into the thief spec. And this is where you get into bypassing security because you're going to need, you know, it may not be you specifically, but you have to bypass a lot of security in order to make this whole Nakatomi thing happen, right? Because that's kind of the thing I was going for. <laughs> Hidden storage to get away with your score when, you, when they think you're going to get blown up so you sneak away in the ambulance when the freighter blows up up top, right? <laughs> and, right. Wait, you've jumped movies. Yes. <laughs> the uh, grit and then shortcut and rapid reaction. And and that is that's basically out of the thief spec. All that basically is 120 XP, so huh. that's like a starting character. Huh. But you can, if you want to, to make it a 200 XP just like Phil. Get range light, street smarts, the extra street smarts, and then buy up cunning. And I mean hugely to go to rank of four in cunning, which will really pump up all your deception and all that jazz. And that's 200 XP. Oh wow! So you did that all with with starting XP included. Mine was two hundred earned. So nice. No, this was just yeah. This was just starting XP. Cool. Yeah. dude, <clears throat> that's that's kind of impressive. Um. Oh, oh wow! So uh, oh, I, I just realized everything you just went from from smuggler scoundrel to thief and all those talents. You did that with a starting human and with, yes. with with a ten obligation. Yeah. Starting human with ten obligation to give you 120 XP, dude. <laughs> that's 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 actually that's extremely impressive. <laughs> that's how you get your character concept out of the box, friends. Wow. Sure, you've got a two in every every characteristic, but that's how you get it done. Well, yeah, and the goal, of course, is to. I am an exceptional thief, Mrs. Yeah, well, you, you want to be an exceptional thief that nobody ever knows, right? Or actually, they can know who you are, but they're going to think you're dead, and uh, the money's still missing somehow. <laughs> I so love it. That's great. There's my guy, the the Sheeston Finston. Somehow, I worked the backstory of the show into it. So there you go. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. So, what do you have, Chris? I don't know if I can stand up to those two, man. Those are those are two uh, epically wonderful builds. Um. My theme for my build is uh, I'm the best in the business, but not the most famous, which is why I'm the best in the business. Um, or Space Ninja. <laughs> wow. Or Kasumi Goto in Star Wars. Um, you know, from Mass Effect, if you guys have played Mass Effect 2 and sure. 3. Um, maybe, I don't know what, Mass Wars? Star Effect? Those, uh, those sound like bad sci-fi original pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Let let let's go back to your build. This Sorry, Sunday, Sam Whitworth. Yeah. <laughs> so I just so Sam's like, hey, I just got offered a role in Star Effect. What the hell? This Sunday, three a.m. on Sci-Fi, Sharknado, followed by Mass Wars and Star Effect. <clears throat> All right. 
So my build was basically going after Kasumi Goto. That was my inspiration for the entire build, the, the Japanese firecracker Kasumi Goto in the Mass Effect series. A nearly invisible uh, thief and infiltrator who, in addition to being the best thief in the galaxy, is a disturbingly capable melee combatant. So my character name is uh, Kasumi. Okay, there's an apostrophe in there. <laughs> and bear with me here. Female Klatuinian. Okay. You know the dog faces? That's right. Klatu yeah. Okay. Um, so female Klatuinian smuggler thief and spy infiltrator. Uh, yeah, I'm going cross career and cross book on this bitches. <laughs> Um, okay, so why a Klaatuinian? Several reasons. Mechanically, they begin with a three in agility. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. And can't that. you can't knock that. And they get a free rank in either brawl, range light, or ranged heavy. And then another free rank in a non-career skill. So basically, everything I would be doing with a human anyway. Okay. Um, and they still get 100 starting XP. So basically, for a 10 XP hit, I get what I would be doing with a human anyway. Um Except that, oh yeah, that brawl, range light, or ranged heavy, if that happens to be a starting career skill, I can still get a free rank in it. Oh, and I start with a three in agility, which would cost me 30 to bump up, okay, to a three if I was a human. So it's just, mechanically, it's a much better choice. Flavor-wise, which is as important, if not more so for me, Mm. I find a Klaatuinian female to be a strangely exotic and very unusual character. That's true. I mean, I, I can't think of one in the EU, okay? I can't either. Um, I mean, so you feel, you got this Klaatuinian female who set subservience to the huts aside and struck out on her own has become this master thief, right? Um, she could also have some serious personal issues with her appearance, um, which lends itself to why she's so introverted and spends all, sp- spends all her time hiding and staying cloaked, basically. Smells like a wet dog. You know, I can see stuff like that, you know, but I can I can see, you know, it seemed like a really interesting character. So building it, 10 point obligation as well, Um, either criminal, maybe bounty. Um, Again, familiar story. Casu's former partner in crime and lover was killed on a very dangerous job stealing from a powerful crime lord. And he wants her taking her down as she got away. So depending on his position, whether it's a crime lord or just a rich noble, it could be criminal. Um, it could be bounty, um, and it could also play into the whole hut aspect of things. If she really did decide, to, maybe she was an, an employee of this hut, you know what I mean? Um, and that's kind of what caused her to bro- break away. Um, so you got that 10-point obligation. Um, start as your smuggler thief, all right? Uh, get your free ranks in coordination, computers, deception, knowledge, underworld, skullduggery, stealth, and streetwise. Um while you're still there in that tree, start spending your XP and talents, uh, street smarts and bypass security, and then move down to black market contacts and then stalker, um, which will become very important later. Um, because then you are going to immediately buy into the spies infiltrator spec. And so this is obviously a melee combatant. And when she's not thieving, she's assassinating, you know, through the use of melee. So frenzied attack and then soft spot, which are going to make you this much better melee killer uh, from an infiltrator standpoint uh, when she needs to be killing. Um, move to grit um, uh, to in order to give you the bonus strain you need to really power frenzied attack. Um, and then lastly, stunning blow, because the best infiltrators and thieves don't need to kill. You know what I mean? I mean, for, for some of the really good thieves out there, having to kill someone to get the job done is almost... It's almost dishonorable. You know what I mean? 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, no, no, only, only, only amateurs have to kill people. Any thug can pop somebody and take it. Okay. And that's not what I do. So if she gets stunning blow, all of her now pimped out melee attacks, especially when she's got uh, a frenzied attack, um, uh, are going to now be able to deal strain damage as opposed to wounds. And yeah, she wants to kill him. Um, <clears throat> then buy up stealth, skullduggery and melee, get a rank in each. Um, and melee, you know, start start moving it up, moving it up, and you've got your free ranks coming in, obviously, from the species. Um, then move back to Thief, bypass security again, grab Master of Shadows, then back to Infiltrator to grab first-tier cheap ranks in Dodge and Defensive Stance, which will really help you when you start going toe-to-toe. And at that point, as you're advancing in your career and you're moving up, you're going to reach that point where you're going to have to go toe-to-toe with somebody. So that's when Dodge and Defensive Stance are really going to come into play. Right. Well, all this is 130 XP. Now, that's starting XP um, uh, and then plus the 10 that you've got. So, basically, it's a couple sessions in to get to this point. All right? Nice. Um, pretty much one session. Now, after that uh, – oh, excuse me. Um, I misspoke. You're not going to want to spend your obligation on the XP. So, it is going to take you a full session to get that 20 XP in. And there's a reason. You're going to get all the credits you can for your obligation. And I'll talk about why in a moment. Um, now – that 130 XP total is for two ranks in Stealth, Skullduggery, and Melee. If you bump each of them up to three ranks, you've got a 175 XP build, and that's not too shabby. But here's the final thing. The key feature of this build is armor, and this is where your money is going to go, okay? All the money you make, all the money you get for your obligation. Specifically, some armored clothing or maybe even patterned armor, it doesn't really matter. Your credits need to go into an optical camouflage system, ASAP. <laughs> all right? It's a wonderful little mod, and it upgrades the stealth checks you make twice. <laughs> All right, and that is huge. That is absolutely huge. Now, if you can afford it, and you eventually want to get get it, you can get your hands on a personal stealth field, which is really like Kasumi in the games. You have complete invisibility, but it's sure. twenty grand, and it's this a relic of near impossibility to locate, um, and they're notoriously fickle. So. For my money, the optical camouflage system is much more reasonable considering I'm already going to be a decent stealth monkey. So when it's all said and done, you've got this character that has this really interesting flavor in terms of her backstory and her species, um, mechanically sound, and she's the perfect thief and infiltrator with these just really odd quirks. Um, Not only can she sneak about and steal well um, with the contacts to sell it easily and purchase the gear she needs, but she can sneak up behind an unsuspecting target and shank them or just knock them out. Um, serious like ninja vibe here is kind of what I was going for. Let me be I the like first it. to say that is one badass bitch. Yes. <laughs> and then she's got the dog face drooling thing going on. It's just, yeah. Can you imagine her with saying. a ninja mask, you know? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I like it. Well done. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, those are our three specs. And uh, soon after this show goes up, uh, we will have a thread for the episode 38 show up on our forums. And there will be a poll where you can decide if who your favorite build is. KG Rand, the Corellian th- uh, shipjacker. Uh, Sean Ruber, the human, uh, the human ma- criminal mastermind who gets away and everyone thinks he's dead. Or Kasumi, the badass ninja from Mass Wars. <laughs> oh, well done, guys. Well done. Well done. All right. Well, I think it's high past time, gentlemen, that we get to this. Let me take that back, huh? Let me find what you need. Oh! 
intro <laughs> everyone's missed this intro so welcome gamer nation to wado's black market where the skeezy scoundrels of the outer rim territories can procure the weapons and gear to make a living on the edge of that their empire and the heat of the age of that their rebellion just a little more tolerable tonight's Arr. tonight's trip to wado is brought to us by austin Catan, who seems to want to conceal something very badly as he's asked wado to locate some camouflage netting Yes, the camouflage netting. Fabritex CN15 camouflage netting, which is found in Dangerous Covenants, page 57, is classified as survival gear, but has uses in warfare and smuggling that go well beyond mere survival, as we will see. Phil, do you know much about Fabritech? Not really. So I, I did I, I did a little bit of research on Fabritech in preparation for the episode, and... Sure. They are um, obviously Fabritech creates and sells this the the Fabritech CN15 camouflage netting, um, uh, but they're this very car like when I when I heard Fabritech I was like oh they fabricate technology clever Star Wars writers very clever but no no they're a very large corporation based on Fabrin <laughs> of course <laughs> okay uh-huh. um, and, uh. and they are they are heavily controlled by the Mandel family which actually are, are pop up elsewhere in the EU. Um, and they are best known for some of the best starship sensor technology in the galaxy. Um, they've won contracts and built um, – basically, they're, they're a subcontractor when you get down to it. They supply the parts for other big, big ship makers. Um, sure. In the Old Republic, the Empire, the New Republic, and even the Galactic Federation of, of, Allied, of, of, uh, of free systems, um, they all have used uh, Fabrotech stuff. Um, most notably for our purposes, TIE fighters, among many other CNR fleet system ships, use Fabrotech sensors. Hmm. Um, so basically, oh. fa- you know, Fabrotech took their technical and sensor know-how to create a series of military components that were nearly ubiquitous in the galaxy at large, uh, such as the camouflage netting. So, yay, that, that's Fabrotech and, and their manufacturer of the camouflage netting. But what is the camouflage netting? Yes, what does it do? What does it do? What is it? Well, uh, you know what, guys? It's made out of photoreactive fibers that enable it to match the surrounding area. Hmm. Hmm. Kind of like the Avengers, that big ship that just disappears. You're kind of, yeah. yeah. I uh, took a right turn there. All right, so it looks like you can look like nearby ground cover. You can look like rocks or foliage or basically anything. Well enough to fool an orbital view, and it contains really sophisticated circuitry to to fool standard sensors as well, which, of course, Fabrotech has a, just a little bit of knowledge with, right? It's like, we guarantee these will fool to fool TIE fighter sensors. Are you sure? We're pretty sure. We're pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, from a... From our perspective of telling the story of the game, right? I mean, isn't it really easy just to say, okay, it covers you up and it obscures you? So, I mean, but what, mechanically, you know, what does it really do in-game? Well, anything concealed by the netting automatically forces two failures to be added to any check made to detect it. Not increasing the difficulty, not any, any sort of upgrade. 
it just automatically adds failures. Is there any other piece of equipment that has this kind I mean, of characteristic? That's what I was just thinking. I was like, I don't, th- I don't know of anything else that just flat says you're going to be down. You're going to be minus two before you even start. We've got stuff that adds setback, automatic threats, or automatic advantage, but nothing that flat out says no. You fail. Two failures out the gate. You got to roll really well, buddy. Yep. Oh, wow. That's just now. How how much of this stuff do you, can you buy, and or rather, how much of how much how much can it cover it when when and uh-huh. how much of it do you get? I know that answer, and I and I know that one roll can conceal a silhouette two object. And then basically two rolls for silhouette three, three rolls, silhouette four. And then silhouette five, you're talking about just way too damn big. Well, that's like that's like cruisers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Small Corvettes. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. It's 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 rarity two. What? To find. (laughs) And it's only 100 credits per reusable roll. So, I mean, it's really uh, cheap. Is it rare? No. I mean, I mean, is it restricted? No, no. So for, for let me get this right, for three hundred credits, I can buy enough of this stuff to cover my my player party's bulk ship. Uh, a starship. Yeah, standard issue light freighter for three hundred credits, and automatically right. trigger two failures for anyone trying to find the ship while landed. Yeah, yeah, but when you get off the park, when you get off the ship in the park in San Francisco, you do have to say, "Everyone remember where we parked." Well, that's natural. Yes. See, that was that was like a right turn with a hinge of left. It was very nice. Mm-hmm. Um. Dude, that's yeah. I mean, it's it's ridiculously usable. I and it's it's another bargain. Okay, um, okay. So let's talk about what we do here. Let's talk about some creative uses for camouflage netting. Okay, from from a player perspective. I mean, the most basic use is pretty obvious, right? I mean, a group of PCs could conceal something. All right, their ship, uh, a base, a camp of operations while they're in enemy territory, or or maybe hiding out from the law if you're a thief, uh, or maybe. Right. Maybe hiding out from the outlaws, okay, if you're depending on the circles you're traveling in. Sure. Um, but what what other uses can parties and PCs find for camouflage netting, guys? Well, in, in relation to the topic of our discussion today, um, use it in the course of a, of, of a heist. You can hide your stolen goods or gear. Keep it in plain sight, but, but under wraps. You know, is what you're stealing too hot to smuggle out? Totally pull an Ocean's Eleven and hide it in plain sight until the heat's died down. And then use the netting to keep from anyone from finding it. Exactly. <laughs> that is that is incredibly basic, and it makes perfect sense. Um, right. Okay, the one thing that came to my mind for this. Yeah. Jailbreak it. <laughs> okay, explain. Okay, so this netting is designed to mirror nearby surroundings, right? It changes color. It changes all that stuff, right? So it's... Basically, you know, this little, from, from, from high above, this little projector, it projects an image, right? When you get down Oh to my it. God, you mean jailbreak is in like an iPhone? Yeah, like hack it. <laughs> <laughs> right? So if, if, I, if I attach a data pad to this thing to give it a little bit more computing power and I make a pretty decent computer's check, why couldn't I modify the netting to display something new? So instead of the, the built-in tech that makes it just display what's surrounding, okay, maybe instead of disguising my ship, I make my ship look like another ship. <laughs> okay maybe maybe an imperial ship all right and so what oh i've got God. is I, i've got a, and i don't just need to be a ship i could pile up a bunch of freaking boulders or take a find a farm shack and put this on it and then all of a sudden i project it 
I turn off the sensor capability and or the sensor blocking capability and from or even leave it on. Okay, so it looks like they're blocking sensors, but ooh, our sophisticated satellites see something and make it look like an imperial ship. And so now all of a sudden, whoever's on planet thinks, oh my god, there's an imperial ship parked down there or something else. And this could be basically it's a 300 credit insta distraction for the PCs that could cause a security force or a local government who's anti-imperial to mobilize their entire military to a location. <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> oh, that's great. So, that's that's um, my thought. What what else, man? Anything else you can think of? Uh oh, uh here's here's a situation. Let's say that you're you're you're, you're trying to bypass or, or that you're trying to fool someone in a security net. And you make the cameras blip a little bit. This goes along with the whole heist aspect. Let's say that one of your buddies is captured and they're being observed by security through some sort of remote camera system. If you can pause the camera, if you can disrupt the communications to those cameras just long enough to make the, to give you time to throw up a sheet of this over the cell and make it look like the cell is empty, they'll flip out and go, oh my god, the prisoners escaped! Search the room! Meanwhile, giving you time to actually open up the lock. And get the person out. But then, see, see you're, you're taking it a step further. I didn't think the stuff was that complex, you know what I mean? Like, because it talks about how it can only fool, like, pretty much high-up views, you know what I mean? Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, but... Oh, I see what you're saying, I see what you're saying. Hmm. I mean, because it's, it's mesh when you get round, down to it, it changes its colorations. That's true. This would this would this would kind of go along the lines with your you're using your your jailbreak it, and that's kind of where I was going with it. But because it, it, it's still very limited use, you know. I mean, it's it's not like a. I mean, because if if it functioned that way, for Pete's sake, you can keep the uh, personal stealth field generator. I'll just spend a hundred credits, wrap myself in this stuff, jailbreak it, and I don't need a personal stealth field generator or optical camouflage. Well, there's an interesting point you just made right there. Make a ghillie suit out of it. Now that is totally awesome and and uh you know it, obviously if, if i'm if i'm close to a guy in a ghillie suit i can tell there's a guy there in a ghillie suit but from a right. dis- from a distance this could totally be used you know if it's powered and jailbroken appropriately to allow a, a squad of of people to move around undetected as in ghillie suit style yeah so okay that's from a player's perspective Creative camouflage netting as a GM from the GM's perspective. I mean, again, I, I the basic uses are pretty easily seen here, guys. I can, I can hide an entire squadron of Imperial troops from unsuspecting PCs who think their base of operations is in a safe area. Um, you know, I could hide equipment, Imperial equipment. I mean, that's pretty basic. But what are some of the creative stuff a GM that if you were GMing, you might use this shit to just screw with your players? Obscure a few, like you said, obscure like a fuel depot. Mm. Or or a munitions depot. This stuff is great for for like creating like little bolt holes of of you know the, the rebels are are planning to assault a base or some mercs are planning to assault a a a, a stronghold and the the base commander knows that there's an attack coming so he has his troops out in out in little foxholes with these over them. So that as the PCs go by, they might see one or two. You know, they're doing their initial recon. Like, oh, great, cool. There's no the the place is is only moderately defended. We're, we should be fine. And then they get up there, and then they notice. Hey, wait a second. Is that a hole with camo netting over it? Oh, crud. <laughs> now, I would totally mind screw my players. Um, like, okay, they've they've invaded the Imperial base and they find it deserted, and in their search they find. A bunch of rolls of this stuff. <laughs> Where's that going to send their brain? What did we pass? Oh, oh, God. But in reality, they've passed nothing. 
<laughs> I, I would I would use this stuff as a as a hot trigger to send my players on a wild goose chase. Red herring. A decoy. The red herring. Anything else creative you guys can think of for camouflage netting? Have we Nothing plumbed the well? Mine to me, but I'm sure that you know, given time, oh, it's I'm, some pretty creative stuff. There's it. it. It's pretty cool stuff. But I mean, that that is camouflage netting. So, Ostikatan, thank you very much for the suggestion, and uh, hopefully Watto can procure some for you. I'll uh, I'll get on the com with him, and uh, I'm sure he can get it for a price. But I don't know why you'd go with him because with a, again, with a rarity of two and 100 credits a roll, you can probably pick this stuff up at Walmart. So, it's truth, 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 and truth. We have some questions, gentlemen. Are we ready to possibly get to those? Sure. Okay. He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the Edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. So like this every instance. <laughs> every instance, you little punk. You're just a Padawan. <laughs> uh, welcome to Messages from the Edge. This is our regular show segment, guys, where we take the time to answer your game and rules questions about the system. Now, how, guys, can listeners get us these questions? Well, they can send it over to us by heading to the D20 Radio Forums, www.d20radio.com slash forums. Make sure that you're registered on the site and head to the Order 66 podcast boards, where you will find the Messages from the Edge thread. You can also email your question to us at gmchris at d20radio.com, gmphil at d20radio.com, and of course, gmdave at d20radio.com. What do you You know? What do you know? (laughs) You can also... If you're brave enough, like a few people have been, you can leave us the question via voicemail on the D20 Radio hotline at 262-D20-RADIO. That's 262-320-7234. We had a we ton. Had a, yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, we had a ton of calling questions tonight. Um, and uh, in fact, apologies to Ursano Greenstrike and Daryl, but we're taking them in order. We can't get to all of them tonight. Um, we will gleefully get to uh, Mr. Greenstrike and Daryl's questions in our next episode, um, but we're going to hit uh, two others tonight, well, three tonight. Um, our first one tonight is not actually a calling question, but we have to talk about it just because it's so fitting for our show topic, mm. um, and it came in from Super Dude and D20 Radio OG, Dr. Xerox. So, oh, Dave, do you want to take point on this and give us Xerox's question? Absolutely. So Dr. Xerox asks, 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 asks. <laughs> somehow I've become Ebonics. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has changed. It's amazing what a little hiatus will do. Anyway, Dr. Xerox asks this. Last night, my character, with the indistinguishable talent, walked into a weapons shop in disguise. As he was actively trying to fool the owner and not being recognized was a big part of this. The GM had me roll deception. However, indistinguishable only upgrades the difficulty when another character rolls against me. In your opinion, should there be some benefit from this talent when I roll? And if so, what should it be? I could also understand if I'm trying to make 
the talent too useful as it talks about the character's common appearance, which would not seem to include disguises. Mm. Phil, you want to take this one first, man? Sure, sure. So, Indistinguishable is a key talent of the Thief Tree, as we talked about. You can find it on page 137 of the Edge of the Empire Core Rulebook. It is a very specific talent, however. According to the talent's description, your appearance is so common that people have a hard time identifying distinguishing traits. The upshot of which is that any character making a check to identify you must upgrade the difficulty of the check once per rank of Indistinguishable. And in the Thief Tree, you get access to Indistinguishable twice, once at 5 and once at 25. (laughs) So, the rules as written... The talent would not apply when you are making a check. But that would sort of negate the intent of the talent in in some ways. The talent is supposed to apply whenever the character's appearance would be recognized. It it certainly could apply here. Uh, At the very least, the GM should should take that into account. At least provide either you a boost die or or him, and maybe not an upgrade, a downgrade to the difficulty or something along those lines. But the GM should definitely take it into account. Now, keep in mind, though, this is a very highly situational talent, and it sounds like you are in a highly situational situation. You're making the check, true, but the character identifying you is a big part of it. Yeah, like, I wouldn't let this apply if you were just making a random deception check, right? Right. But in his, but he's in disguise. Wouldn't skullduggery apply here? Well, whether we, well, it could be deception, it could be skullduggery, but for the... Like, for, for the indistinguishable talent itself, like, he's in disguise, and he's saying that if this merchant guy, whoever it was, knew him, knew who he was, that would be a problem. So that's why he was making the check, right? So that's why it's, like, that's why I think the talent should apply. And I'm, like, I, I would give a boost die, maybe a reduced difficulty, but I would give a boost die. That's, that's just me. And that's not standard or across the board. That's, like, unique to that one situation. Yeah, yeah he... The indistinguishable talent is is folks recognizing you. Uh, if someone already knows you, or it, I, I really couldn't tell from the description of this question, but if if he'd met the weapon shop owner several times and the, a weapon shop owner recognizes you know knows him, then I wouldn't have had this apply. You're you're a known person, but I would have still had the way I really would have probably have done this would be make the deception check, and if you fail the deception check, the Odds of him being able to like identify you or describe you to the authorities or uh, to or or identify you in a in a police lineup afterwards, that's what's going to get the upgrade. So if anything, indistinguishable is something a little bit of a safety net if your deception check fails. Maybe. Do you guys think you should have had him make a deception check at all, or should it just should it like? Could he, could he, I mean, I know I, I like to make the player roll whenever possible, but could he have, just instead of having him make a perception check, had the shopkeeper just make a, percep, a perception check? Yeah, um, yeah, that could have also been the case, absolutely. And then, and then, boom, you can use the talent, guaranteed, and you might even be able to make it a perception versus uh, deception, make it a competitive check, so you're turning exactly. those positive deception dice or skullduggery dice into... Yep into negative dice at that point and then apply the talent after the fact. I mean, if you're doing that with an opposed check and you've got indistinguishable, man, ain't nobody going to figure out who you are. Yeah, I would, I, I would love to see that, actually. The, the, the opposed check, just like you did it, is, is much more gratifying for the player. Yeah, because it takes into account the fact that they put ranks into deception and it also gives them a little bit of a bonus in this situation because of indistinguishable. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it's one of those. It's one of those weird scenarios. You'll normally hear me say that I think you should always have the player make the role, but this is one of those because of this unusual talent. In order, the reason I want the player to make the role is because it gratifies the player. But in this mm-hmm. talent, if you want to, like you said, if like both of you said, if you want to gratify the player, have the NPC make the role. Dig it, dig it. Good question, Xerox, and I hope that helps. All right, so we have two calling questions that we're going to get to tonight, and again, more that we're going to get to next week. Um, the first one tonight is a very good one from DM Kojo, and here it is. Hey, this is for the Order 66 podcast. This is DM Kojo calling with a question about uh, overpowered characters. So I've got a player in my group that's got a droid marauder who wields a vibro greatsword. And between mm-hmm. the uh, character's abilities and, and ranks in melee and the uh, talents that allow him to boost his abilities with the sword and the modifications to the sword and, and all this stuff, he essentially, every time he hits, he crits on a one, all the extra advantage and successes and all that to boost that up. And essentially, he's rolling on the crit table almost every time with, like, plus 50, plus 60 uh, or more if it's the second or third critical hit. So everything that he's done is within the rules and by the book, and I can't fault him for it. But uh, what do you do with this kind of situation where it's almost coming too easy besides maybe just upping the difficulty of the the target? Um, Is there anything else you can do that you suggest? I'd love to hear your answers. Thanks. Bye. Oh. Disarm him and oops, they're railing. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the first one. For, also, I want to point out that this question comes up in every game system every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've 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 heard it before, but but it, it needs an answer every time. It does right? It does. Now, Dave, you said disarming. I th- that th- is that th- is the absolute wrong answer for a GM. I don't disagree. No, no, I disagree. I, Absolutely disarm him. I dis- <laughs> disarm his ass. There's a way to do it. What I'm saying is don't destroy the weapon and piss off the player. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, fair. Fair. Yeah. Um, That's that's one aspect. Definitely disarm him. Um, One thing that leapt to mind was I was thinking of this. He's got this awesome weapon that drops drops crits and all kinds of other really nastiness on, on, on single targets. Hit him with minion groups. Yeah, minion group, minion group, minion group. There is no reason that your minion groups have to have seven hit points apiece, okay? There's none. There was no reason they only have to be three people. No. No, they don't. Uh, your your minions could have wound thresholds that are 12, 15, 20, okay? And that's disgusting, all right? and Or keep it at seven wounds, and you're right, Phil. Hit him with eight minions in a group. My God. <laughs> he can only kill them one at a time. I mean, even if he activates a crit, oh, you killed two this time. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, max damage, and you killed another one with your crit. Okay, you got two down. There you go. Um, um, the other aspect is make sure that you're putting your... If, if you want him to not just roll over everything in your opposition, make sure you're using the, make sure you're using the rules and, and give your encounters different elevations, obstructions. Make it so that he has a hard time getting to where he can bring this weapon to bear. Now, I want to return to, Dave, your, your first comment was insightful in a very specific sense, because when I, when, I, when I said I disagree, you said, well, do it in a way that's not going to railroad the player or piss him off. I want you to expand on that, because there is, there is a danger here of, of 
the player feeling like they're being attacked by the GM. Oh, sure. But that, you know, that, that goes without saying, right? It's a danger in every single system. Well, you know, you're a badass with a lightsaber. And so therefore you, oops, sorry, you hit some cortosis gauntlets. So you had another lightsaber. Oh, sorry, you did it again. Well, okay. So, As a player, that would piss me off because yeah. I feel like all you're basically doing is getting the weapon out of my hands by any means necessary, right? Mm. And <clears throat> when you do it in situationally, there's no reason why, you know, it's a lucky strike. This guy, you know, if you narrate it correctly, you know, you, he, you're playing a boss or whatever, and he gets either a critical hit or he rolls a triumph and you become prone and your weapon flies across the room. But, you know, and, and you're under some duress in which you can't just go spend a maneuver to go get the weapon and rearm yourself, right? So that kind of thing. Or it falls if you're using level levels. It falls to the level below. Well, you can still see it, but you're going to have to go to your backup weapon for now. You know, those are the types of things. Yeah, you get your weapon back, but you have to improvise during that pers- that specific encounter. And I kind of like that idea, especially for high-level... This guy sounds like a high-level character, right? So yeah. he's not really reliant completely on this one Uber Saber that he's got, right? What was it, a, a great vibro yeah. act or something? Great and, vibro sword. Okay, great vibro sword. So he's got to have something else. I mean, when I when I was melee badass with my Wookiee, yeah, I had a vibro axe, but guess what? I had vibro knuckles, and I had some other things, too, that I could use in case I lost my vibro axe. Because as a player, you have to anticipate that sort of stuff. But just as a GM, do it in a way that is thematic and explain it and tell the story like it had not rock fall if everyone dies, you know, nothing like that. And, and, and don't make it as a part of like a, a well, you could actually, you know what, if he rolls, let's say he rolls a, a, a despair Well, you take a swing and all of a sudden, you know, you don't see a cable that or whatever and, and, and you make contact with it and, and it's sheared out of your hands that's plausible to me. You lose your weapon. Here's another thing. He invested all this time and character energy and 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 XP into this massive melee combination. Don't deny him that either. Give him situations where he becomes the monster that just eats eats the opposition. Make him feel good about his about his purchases, about his character choices. And when you do hit him with things like this, you know, ways to, you know, disarming him, you know, everything that Dave was just saying, he won't feel as, as targeted. He has his moments of cool, but he also has his challenges. That's important too. Yeah, you're absolutely right, dude. Because if you go into every single challenge feeling like, oh, how am I going to lose my weapon this time? No. Yeah. You know, like that—that's what Chris did with my melee badass, right? He put me in an arena where I basically my little Wookie guy was the star of the show for about ten minutes, and that was yeah. really cool. That satiated you for three sessions. <laughs> <laughs> well, that satiated me for like three years. It was—it was, you know. But but there's moments like that. Now I want to to finish this up. I want to talk about the one thing you guys haven't discussed and and dismissed out of hand as being wrong to do, and in many cases I would agree with you. And this would be sundering the weapon. Okay. Now, we haven't talked about it too much in this show before, but sundering works very uniquely in this system. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you have a weapon with a sunder quality and you, or, or you take a sunder action to attack another player's weapon and you do that, okay, or you generate enough advantage or, to do so, you don't just destroy the weapon. It doesn't work that way. There's three levels of damage 
okay? And and this is talked about in the books, but but the first level is basically I think I think it gives you a, a setback die. It's, it's like the weapon's damaged, okay? So the weapon took a hit, took some damage. So now whenever your badass is using it, he's suffering a setback die every time he uses it until he gets it repaired. Right. The second level is like more damage. Okay. And then it's like, I think it's like either two setback die or, or an auto upgrade on the diff. I think it's an auto upgrade on the difficulty or an increase in the difficulty. Okay. Um, every time he uses the weapon to attack until he gets it repaired. The third level is weapon breakage. The weapon cannot be used until you get it repaired. But that's the thing. It's not like it's destroyed forever. Even if you get to that third level, it just, it just means the weapon's gone for that encounter. You just got to get it repaired. And if this truly is a droid, I've got to believe he's got some mechanics in his, up his chassis. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, exactly. And, and so he- yeah, and I'm not even saying you have to destroy his weapon, but if you even target it once or twice, it makes yeah. it makes it more difficult to use. All right, so there's that. And then again, I wouldn't do this every time because it'll feel like you're targeting the player. But you don't even have to go for that kind of structured encounter. Oh God, he's got a weapon with thunder quality. Oh gee, I wonder what he's going to do. You have these wonderful things called threat and despair, and you decide how they're spent. <laughs> all right, and if this player rolls a despair, guess what? That weapon goes flying out of his hands. And that's not shenanigans. It's not GM manipulation. It's not railroading. It's part of the narrative dice system. Yep. Right. So how you choose to enact that despair and that threat will go a long way towards you mitigating this powerful player. But again, to echo the wise words of Dave and Phil, don't overuse it. Give the player their moment to shine. Just hit them up with the appropriate tactics in terms of use of, of threat and despair, the appropriate strategy when it comes to hitting them with characters that go for disarm or uh, uh, sunder actions, and encounter structure, like as was also said. You know what? This guy, if he's facing a ranged foe at elevation, his sword is worth about mm, squat. <laughs> and, and squat and two credits will get you a bag of, of uh, hut crisps, and that's what it comes down to. <laughs> So I um, something else that just came to mind is, and and you could use this very effectively. Have somebody steal the weapon, make make it a quest, make it a part of the yes. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And then you've got you know you've got some you've got some players <coughs> back <coughs> that like to split the party, and, they, uh, <laughs> and he go off, um, you know trying to find his weapon and all that jazz, that would be kind of fun. When you take a weapon away from a character and you make the session about getting the weapon back, you are screwing the character over at the same time you are giving them the limelight. Yeah, exactly. And that is masterful <laughs> GMing, my friend. So, excellent suggestions, guys. Excellent suggestions. Okay, so our last question tonight, very good one, similar vein, from longtime D20 Radio alum, OG, and my good friend, Rikoshi. Hey guys, this is Rikoshi, and I'm calling in with a little bit of a question. Uh, I've been running an Edge of the Empire campaign for a little over a year now, and at this point we've actually just finished the first major story arc, taken out the uh, first major BBEG. Although, now at this point, my characters have roughly 600 post-creation XP on their characters. And while it's not impossible yet for me to meaningfully challenge them, I'm starting to become concerned at how much longer I can have this particular set of PCs go uh, before they're just so powerful that, you know, nothing would realistically fit, you know, for an Edge of the Empire campaign anymore. 
So I'm wondering if you had any advice on when to start sort of dialing things back, either on, you know, how much XP do I continue to give them or, you know, when we sort of just, you know, put these characters away and roll up Age of Rebellion or Force and Destiny. Uh, interested to hear your guys' thoughts on that as far as, you know, campaign longevity goes. And uh, thanks. Uh, but, you know, I probably won't listen. <laughs> I probably won't listen to the Order 66 podcast. What wow. a phenomenal question that was. Wow. The, what? How uh, How often are you playing if in a year your PCs have earned 600 XP? You're playing every other week or a little bit faster uh, with four-hour sessions at five hours a session. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. And I know Rikoshi. His sessions ain't lasting four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Six, eight hours easy. Yeah. I mean, if you go if you go for Jay Little's suggestion of five X, because because the book says you know roughly, uh, you know, hey, go for go for your twenty XP, you know, per session. Uh, well, that's assuming it's a four hour session, right? So if if you go sure. if you break that down to five XP an hour, you know, and you're awarding thirty or more XP for an eight hour session, then you're you know thirty to forty, then you're you're gonna get there. It'll it'll happen. <laughs> you know, twelve sessions. That's what it'll take. Twelve twelve to fourteen sessions. Whew. That's a tough one. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, here's the thing, Rikoshi. Um, as far as challenging them goes, that's one of the beauties of this system. Um, your average squad of five stormtroopers is going to be just as deadly to your level <laughs> sixty character, level 600 XP characters as the ones who are just coming out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. But, but okay, now, now, obviously, you know, Kevin's a very experienced GM, right? Sure. Um, I don't know if you guys, if you guys, do you remember last year uh, he uh, for the the Kickstarter campaign he wrote One Man's Trash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was a phenomenal module. Uh, he's a good writer. He's a hell of a GM. So I know he knows how to challenge his players, but he, even he's at this point like I'm starting to <laughs> they're starting to mow through things a bit easily, even for my taste, right? True. True. I, I think I think it's easy. I agree with you. I think it's possibly easy to challenge him in the challenge your players in the system. You know, I mean, you can always up the difficulty of your threats. That's always you know doable, right? But the real heart of his question for me is, when do you hang up the spurs, man? Yeah, that's true. When it when is it time? I mean, like, look for Saga Edition. We had a formula level twenty. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because that was as high as you could go. All right, there there, there is no. I mean, when do you? When do you hang up the spurs? I mean, and my my response is when the story is done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, especially for this system. I mean, for the system, when the story's done, that that's that's when you hang up the spurs. That's when it's time to move on if your players want to. But if they don't, keep playing. Shit, let them fight rancors every episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Take out walkers with the hand tool, hand weaponry. <laughs> But even then, with a 600 character, XP character, they're not going to be that incredible, you know? Or just wait until they roll a despair on an astrogation check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. You guys are lost. You kind of flew into that sun there. <laughs> I think at that point, you start looking and changes the narrative. Because, I mean, you look at some of the movies that, are, that Hollywood has cranked out, and you kind of look at the way that some action heroes and even some storylines go. You look at them going, okay, yeah, that could be a 600-point character. 
So start looking at Hollywood. Look at some of the the epic stories that come out. You know, someone brought up in the chat earlier Jason Bourne. Um, Jason Bourne sounds like a pretty high level character to be running around and having all these threats come after him. Uh, change even just change the narrative. I mean, if these guys are, are have, they've got their method, they've got their 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 the way that they operate, their their, their enemies, and, and they're out there doing the same thing that they're doing. It's time to introduce a new curveball. Some new, someone new comes in with the pure intention of taking them out, or challenging uh, or challenging them in a in a way that you haven't challenged them before. And really, that's where it goes. It goes with the story. I mean. You're, you're, you and your PCs are going to be the best judge of that to find out, hey guys, is this just getting repetitive or are you able to come up with new challenges, new stories and, and new ways of entertaining you? Mm-hmm. That's where it comes down to. Are, are, you, are you entertained? That's the important part. Are you not entertained? There you go. <sighs> There's ways to keep it fresh. There's things to there's things to do, but it, it's you know, like Dave in the campaigns you and I have run together and gone through together. I mean, none of you got to twenty in Saga Edition. We didn't get to twenty, but there was a defined beginning, middle, and end. And I yeah. think what Koshi is looking for is not so much of a how to challenge his players. He's really looking for how do I end my set? How do I end my game? That's what he's looking for. He just doesn't know it yet. Gally, mm. you know, that's, that's uh, maybe. And how do you end galaxy-wide stakes, buddy? Galaxy-wide stakes. Bring in the Vong. It's <laughs> 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 the only time you'll ever hear me say that. Um, <laughs> do, you know, but, you know, you know, when do you end and and when your players no longer entertained how do you guys feel there was a good suggestion in chat um that i think i think uh uh uh, dugan sf had that was you know if they're ready to move on retire the characters and make those characters the npc villains of the next story whoa like as as they as the players have gotten them to with all their abilities intact and everything else then they become the squad that's out to track down and kill. Yeah. If they still have obligation, leave it. Oh, guess what? Your new group, this obligation's in play, and that's why you're tracking these people down or whatever. Wow. That would be so... And they'd know exactly how big badasses they are. <laughs> <laughs> and then the GM will totally screw, totally screw with them because then at the end of that campaign, when uh, when they finally get to that ultimate encounter... And uh, or maybe even the penultimates when they're getting close to it, um, and and they're they're like all right, and they they have these abilities that that they're not used to, and Kevin's like, oh what? It's not like they stopped advancing. I bumped them up. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know. This is very. It's a very good question, but I don't know. You both have some very solid insight on that. Um, it's very very good. Very good. Oh, excellent questions. Obviously, guys, we have uh, uh, <laughs> even more calling questions we're going to be getting to next week, but we want more. Um, of course, uh, head to uh, the D20 Radio hotline at 262-D20-RADIO, 262-320-7234, and get us those questions. Or email us, GM Chris, GM Dave, or GM Phil at d20radio.com. Head to the forums, d20radio.com slash forums, and post your mind. Keep well, them dice rolling. Aww. 
Oh wait, sorry. I'm I'm out of practice. I don't know when to say that anymore. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. I'm just happy to hear you say it. It's a, it's it's a, it's a good thing. Um, very good show. Thank you for those who've been waiting patiently for the thief. For God, we finally got around to it. Um, eager to know what you think of the build off. The poll will be up in honestly just a, about an hour from the sound of my voice. For those who are listening live, and so you'll be able to post up which you prefer and tell us why. Um, next episode will be in two weeks' time, um, and that is oh gosh, calendar hard, rough. What the fifth? Uh, yes. Okay, the 5th. Um, uh, the 5th of November, and we already have confirmed we will have Mr. Andy Fisher, the fish himself, back on the podcast to get into a detailed Q&A discussion of the Age of Rebellion core rulebook. Now that it has and had... so it begins. It begins. We've had, we've had it in players' hands for months now, and they've been uh, building up the questions. You guys can find threads over on our forums at d20radio.com slash forums to post your questions for Andy about the minutia of the book. Um, it's going to be a, one of those episodes, so get ready for it. <laughs> and I may or may not join you on time as that night I will actually be at at Keith Kappel's house in Chicago. Oh my! Yep. Why? Oh wait, or is, is, is this post show discussion? Are we should we talk about this post show? We can do post show. Yeah. We can okay. Do All right. I have a little bit of time. I have a little time. Okay. Um, okay. So, Gamer Nation, thank you very much. Um, guys, it was great to podcast with the three of you again. <laughs> the three uh, of, of us. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's the guy in my head too, the little voice. Oh, okay. Yeah. The three of us. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, Jack Wagon. The guy in your head. He tells you to do bad things to yourself. Thank you, Salad Fingers. Uh, <laughs> wow. Oh, gosh. Uh, we will see you in two weeks, Gamer Nation. This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep them dice rolling. And may the dice be with you. This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC. Let me be the first to say that, you know what, sometimes a new show, kind of a new show, you know, with a new voice coming in, sometimes it can be awkward. And I, man, it's like we've been together all this time. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun, man. This is real fun. Good episode, guys. Thank you. Uh, Okay, so elaborate, dude. Why are you going to be at Keith Kappel's house in Chi-Town? Believe it or not, he lives like three blocks away from the Dice Dojo, which is this giant game store in Chicago. That's the best name for a game store I've ever heard. <laughs> yes. 
Um, and basically, uh, as crazy as it is, I am going to a regional Dice Masters tournament that's being held there at the Dice Dojo um, in October. So you, you qualified at the tournament in, in Texas? I finished fifth. Dude! In Texas. Yeah, how about Bravo. that? How about that? So I'm going to Chicago, and I'm going to try and... and, and um, I think that the final's going to be... They, they're, they're speculating that the final's going to be in Origins, but I don't know. But I, uh, I'm trying to get my seat to the away. Nationals. Wow. But yeah, I have, that, that's a while away. That, that, that's a ways away if it's at Origins. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. It can't be. It's got to be... It's got to be something, you know, I don't know, maybe, uh, I, I don't know. You know, Gamma Trade Show, I don't think is open to the general public, so I, I doubt that it's there, even though it's in Vegas or February, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Nobody seems to know. I mean, it's WizKids. They keep you in the dark until the last possible second. Uh, true. WizKids! Yeah, he's under a deadline anyway, and it just, uh... It made, it made some sense. I figured I was going, so I just I am totally invited myself too, which is really hilarious. But that's that's funny. You know, it's Chicago, man. Besides, it'll be fun. So, did you guys have another one of your uh, alternate universe sessions since no, our last show? No. Ooh, I thought you were supposed to. We were. Oh, Brev had to cancel. Brev canceled. Brev had to cancel. Oh, I- it was just kind of a communication breakdown where everybody kind of did their own thing after not hearing what was the plan. Nope, nope. Brev came in uh, 40s 4. I was like, oh, yeah, I can't do Saturday. Is that going to be a problem? And I'm like, well, Friday night is suck, you know, for several yeah. reasons. And I was booked Sunday. So it was like, no. Because we had said it was going to be that weekend. Right. Um, <sighs> so, yeah. Um, um, oh, sometime in November, we might get a session God, I want to try and get in in October. The problem is that I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm out of, like... You're going to be gone for three weeks. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's like you said, you're going to be in Chicago. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping, I, I don't even know if I, I'll, I may, I may have to have to rely on YouTube for the show on the 5th. I'll need to, I'll need to, to work that out because I, I fly out, I fly out the night of the, no, I fly out the night of the 5th, guys. Uh-oh. Yeah. Boingers. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do this on Saturday night, the 4th. That may would that, that would would you be available for that, Dave? Yeah, yeah. I think the uh, I think the Saturday activities, the main event for me is on Sunday. So okay. I think I'm done at nine or eight thirty or something on Saturday evening. Okay, and are you available on Saturday, Phil? Mm, let me get back to you. Okay, we'll just let, we'll figure it out either way. Okay, we we, we 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 can probably work something out. I just need to make sure that Saturday is is good because. Actually, Saturday. That that I'll, I'll work something out. I'll, we can work something out. Well, we'll figure it out offline. Either way, yeah. work it out. Work it out. Either way. Um, so, uh, any other gaming for you guys? I mean, obviously, Dave's been dice mastering up his little hot hands. I've been doing my uh, my Force and Destiny beta sessions with uh, with my Tuesday night crowd, and oh, yeah. it's a fun fun game. It is I have real def- fun. A two-player game called The Duke. I've heard of this. I've heard Done of by uh, Catalyst, right? I've heard the Duke. It, too. it is awesome. Yeah, Catalyst Game Labs. It is freaking awesome. Yeah. What is it? It okay. So it's like it's kind of like chess. The in the in in that the object is to capture the Duke. It looks but, like chess. 
yeah, but the the opportunity is basically you can move one of the one of the pieces you have on the board, and when you move it, you have to flip it over, and it has a specific set of movements on the front and a specific set of movements on the back. So it may move up two and over two, but then when you flip it over, it can only move diagonal one. So and then when you flip it back, it goes back to its up two over two thing, right? Exactly, exactly, and so. Or you can place a piece, and you have to place a piece on the board next to the duke. But here's where it gets interesting. You don't get to pick the piece. You have to reach into a cloth bag and pull the piece and then figure out where you're going to put it. So you don't know what you're going to get. You could get a really powerful one, or you could get suck out of the bag. Mm. Got to work with it. And basically, and then and then they, you can put barriers in the field and things like that to make it more interesting. And the game the game winds up being a tactical strategy game of moving your moving your pieces around to where eventually you can capture an opponent's piece and then trap the duke you know and it oh man i played it at dallas games marathon and we just kept playing it and kept playing it huh. and we would different combinations we put the flags in play you know for capture the flag and and then there's a dragon that kills everybody so it's uh it's like they want to do dragon. yeah exactly so but it's uh it's a really fun little two player game that it doesn't it doesn't last any more than about ten minutes and you're on to the next one so i mean it's i really uh i really liked it you know i mean so i've I've been gravitating toward these two player games lately like that and star realms and and uh summoner wars so oh star realms is great man I got introduced to that gen con Donnie Bain introduced me to that I'm like that is the tightest quickest deck builder I've ever played. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So, you know, I mean, that's... Dude. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was awesome. but uh, Dude. But, and then, of course, Dice Master's been taking up a lot of my time, too. So, so I'm, joining, um, I'm joining the population of, uh, of 2011, and uh, I got a copy of Skyrim. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm not a, I'm not a ginormous... Like, typically, I'm not a huge ginormous fan of the open-world games. Um, okay. like Grand Theft Auto stuff like that. It's like I, I, it's too much. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> Fallout Three. Yeah. Well, okay. But I love Fallout Three. I loved it. I put I put almost two hundred hours into Fallout Three. Um, mm-hmm. but that was an exception for me, and I, and it was just because of the world it was in. I wanted to see everything and experience everything. Sure. Every conversation I would have with a random, you know, you know, ra- radiation mutated cockroach was worth it for me. I haven't talked to you yet. What do you have to say? What do you have to say? Oh, that's clever. Oh, look. Oh, look. Uh, uh, former technology that's been ramshackled, constructed into something unique and unintended for what it was originally used for. I find that entertaining. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm starting to play Skyrim, and um, I have a problem that I haven't experienced really since my MMO days when I used to play City of Heroes. And that was, I keep restarting the dang game. <laughs> I was like, gee, I wonder what this build would be like. Let, oh, no. Let me, let me try this. Coffee Man. Oh, I, you remember Coffee Man. Did you, ever join, did you ever join the champions at breakfast, Dave? Eisman. No, I never joined the cha- I was. I think I was kind of petering out on the game at that point before the Champions of Breakfast did came you ever, out. But did, Phil, did you ever play no, City of Heroes? It was, it was Rancheros. Of course, it of course I did. Virtue awesome. server. Okay. You were Virtue as well. That's right. Yes. Have I told you about, I've told you about Coffee Man and the Champions of Breakfast? 
You have, you have. I, I vaguely recall seeing you guys running around before I knew who you were. Okay, well, one of the supergroups I know that Dave was on was I created a character that was the biggest build I could possibly make, and I made him look like a football player, and his name was Heisman. Yes. And he was a tank, and so we created the Paragon State University supergroup, and it was this football team. <laughs> and I forget who you were, Dave. Were you like the bench warmer? No, no, no. I was, I was a rad. I was a radiation, radiation controller, and I was Mean Joe Green. That's right. That's right. And it was like it was like he just looked like a guy in a football uniform, but he had these green glowing eyes, and and he and he was a rad, rad. Yeah, it was. Or, yeah, that was that was. You remember rad? Rad, rad was a nasty combo. Yeah, it was. Austin was like our teller guy at the bank, and he 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 made a guy dressed in a suit, and he was Coach James. It was Coach James. <laughs> it was like he looked like a coach, like a ball cap and sunglasses and the suit, and he was a controller. All right, and uh, and then we had the bench warmer, um, who was a fire blaster. Uh, we had uh, we had we had another dude who was like an ice tank, and he was called like the fridge, and uh, it was. Do you have a martial artist called the kicker? Ah, God. Oh, no, I no, I don't think so. We had a guy who <laughs> he saw us hanging out, and he comes running up, and his name was Right Tackle. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 we, were, we were posing for pictures underneath Atlas, and he was like, he was like, oh my God! And, and just as we're about to leave, he comes running up with this newly created character called Right Tackle. He's like, I want in. <laughs> like, okay. Um, the other super group I know that Dave, you and I got into, we made together was was Bum B the acronym of B U M. It was the Brotherhood of Unemployed Men. <laughs> Because <laughs> I made I made this character, and I, I I'm trying to remember what he what he was called. It was Va- Vagrant Justice. That was his name, Vagrant oh, Justice. Oh, you were Hobo Hobo Justice. Justice. That was it. I was Hobo Justice, and I made this dude look like a hobo. And like I was just I didn't do quests. I did not. I did not. I got this dude to level forty without taking any personal quest storylines. All I would do is mooch off other people. So if somebody needed a group, I'd be like, I'll join, and I would get the XP. I got influence, which was the currency of the game, by panhandling. <laughs> I just sat under Atlas and was like, spare change, and I rattled my cup. And people thought it was hilarious, and they would give me 10,000, 100,000, a million influence at a time. It was awesome. And so I was, I, a, I was a katana scrapper called the Vagrant Blade. You were the Vagrant Blade, and I was Hobo Justice. That's right. Oh, that's awesome. Dude, It was. we had some fun with that. Yeah. Oh, it was so great. <sighs> that ain't right. Um, one thing that we talked about in the pre-show. Yeah. And uh, you told me to bring oh, it up in the show. Yeah, so I, I wanted to bring man, it up again. I wanted to bring this up in announcements, and I forgot about it, man. No, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, we'll bring it up now. Um, so one of the interesting, one of the awesome things that occasionally happens being a member of the 501st Legion is that, that, that moment of cool, that moment of, of bringing that smile and bringing that experience to, to someone who just appreciates it on a level that you don't, you can't comprehend until you're actually there in a moment. And I need to shout out to my, my garrison, the New England garrison, specifically my commanding officer, uh, Michael, uh, Mike Bronco. Uh, who was contacted uh, about a month or two ago by a caregiver for a guy named Peter Allen, who lives in Rhode Island. And she contacted us because she wanted to invite us to Peter Allen's birthday party that year. Uh, She was a caregiver for Peter Allen, who unfortunately is suffering from ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And anyone who's paid any attention to the media knows how big ALS is right now. And it's good that it's on everyone's radar and it's all everything that's good that's come out of this ice bucket challenge. 
but he was interested about this. Okay, cool. You want us? We don't normally do birthday parties or or anything like that. I'm just kind of curious. Like, you know, how did he know about us? And is he just interested in Star Wars? Or, and she replied to saying, Oh no, no, he's really interested in the five o first. He was almost. He he was actually making a costume to join you guys, but his ALS kicked in, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to finish it. So. Mike asked a few more questions and went, hey, okay, okay, that's, that's, that's awesome, um, but what was he trying to make? He was trying to make a TIE fighter pilot co- outfit. Now, my, Bronco had a TIE fighter pilot. He, he, he knows the TIE fighter pilot suit in and out. That's, that's one of his big things. And he's like, could you send me pictures of it? And she took a few photos, and, and, and at that point his wife got involved. And they, they sent him a couple photos, and he's like, this is almost done. He was 90% done. He, oh, this will not stand. So he asked them if they would be willing to give us the suit so that we could, so that the garrison could finish it. And then a, as a special exemption, because he obviously can't, he, he's, he's basically bedridden with ALS. He can't possibly get into this suit uh, for the, for the Legion to make an exception and give him his, his, uh, his 501st Legion membership. And they did. And, Today, uh, Darth Vader, a couple TIE pilots, a couple stormtroopers, and a couple officers showed up at Pete's birthday party with a plaque welcoming him to the 501st as uh, TI-77400. He is a full-blown, fully-fledged member of the 501st with a fully 100% completed TIE fighter pilot. And then, in costume... Everyone who was there did the ice bucket challenge. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any video of the ice bucket challenge yet, but there are a couple of pictures up that I've I've retweeted on my feed, and uh, it's crossed over to my um, to my Facebook. Um, so I want to give a call out to John uh, to Mike Bronco, um, everyone else who went down for the presentation, and everyone else who got involved in the five hundred first Legion New England Garrison. You guys did uh, you guys did me way proud. Unfortunately, it was just too far for me to go today to to participate, but you guys did an amazing job. So, big props out to my boys. That's why I that's why we do what we do. That warms that's, my cockles in my heart. That is way way cool, man. That is so and, awesome. And and that that someone he Peter Allen got it. He he wanted he he wanted to join us. And we couldn't say no. We we had we, we and big props to Mike Bronco for for making it happen. He finished him off, and he's a full blown member now. Full blown. That's All the, the rights of, and privileges. I would. That's the kind of thing that should make like some kind of local news or something because it's. It, it, oh, it has. It has. It's in the paper. That, that that's if anyone is able to see my feed, um, there's a link to the at least the local paper and. It's being kind of like petitioned out to like you know local, possibly a local news station. I don't know, but definitely the the, the papers in the area are are aware of it and they tell the story. That's so freaking brilliant. That's awesome. Yeah. Good on my well, guys. Yeah, guys up there in that New England garrison. What's that? I was like, good on you. Thank you. All those guys. That's good stuff, man. Ah. Uh, well, guys, I'm about to turn into a pumpkin. I got to call it. Same. I got to call right. it. All right, heads. Good night, Gamer Nation. And good luck. What he said.